0: Ladies and gentlemen, brosners alike, welcome back to the Wild Times. This is episode 43. As always, I am your host, the broologist Forrest Galante, joined by the ever-handsome uh, bro producer, Mr. Patrick DeLuca. How are you, Pat? Usually you call Rattep handsome, so I'm great. I wasn't that good, and now I'm great. Feeling flattered. Yeah, see? Yeah, every now and then I'll really just throw a good. switch up in, and you'll be like, whoa, I'm the handsome guy? Yeah. Um, the, the slightly less attractive but much meaner professor, hmm. uh, Mr. Peter Rattep. How are you, Rattep? Fuck you, Forrest. Thanks. Mm, that's rude. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, the person that I'm by far <laughs> the most excited to talk to: New York Times mega-selling author, special forces soldier, adventure sportsman, champion strongman. Qualified cosmonaut, (laughs) I don't know what that is, renowned wildlife expert, he makes me look like a dum-dum, international conservation leader, and TV host, someone I've been super excited to talk to for a very long time, the one and only Mr. Bradley Trevor
1: Grieve. Mate, so lovely to be here, gentlemen. It's, It's a pleasure to varying degrees. Wonderful! Cheers, yeah. mate. That Cheers. was
0: that was a hell of an intro. I was trying to memorize all that was quite something. But BTG, <laughs> how are right. you, man? It's so good to finally like connect with you. Like I said, I've your name has been said to me thousands of times, and I've I've always been excited to like connect with you.
1: I am I am actually just shocked and mildly offended that we haven't crossed paths until mm. this moment. Uh, Doesn't seem you know, right. I, I'm from Tasmania. You've been there many times. Yep. I've spent a lot of time in Cape York. You've been there many times. <laughs> I, would, I would say that we've been in many of the same countries maybe weeks or months apart. So right. I'm, I'm, uh, if I'm grateful for the pandemic, it's for two reasons. One, that I've been nurturing this false head of hair now <laughs> since beautiful. February last year. Thank you. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. You know what it's based on? You've ever you've seen the, the Mary River turtle? You know the, the, Of the, course.
0: Yeah, the yeah. little green algae mohawk that floated around Instagram that was so Precisely. popular. Precisely. And yeah. that's what I,
1: I have. A, I have a Mary River turtle kind of wispy skull merkin that I've nurtured now for 11 months. And, um, and the fact that now, at least digitally, I've been able to track you down. So I'm very grateful for that.
0: You know what? I, I'm going to have to just go back on something I said. We might even need an edit because I called Patrick handsome. And now that I've compared you to the Murray River turtle yeah. and the green, for it's like, it's the <laughs> wrong guy. I used handsome in the wrong place. It's just, it's you. You fucked it up.
2: I did. Ugh, so It's unfortunate. Forrest, last time we were in Madagascar doing, uh, doing a little, little look around for a hippo. Bradley, I think you were like landing in Tana the like the, the day we left or something like that. I remember for, that. For I little remember you Giles. telling me that? Yeah, oh, call, that's
1: right. I called you. I called you and and asked for some uh, tips on some local guides and experts because we Did hit a snag. You? Right. And you 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 actually texted me back some really valuable information. So you kind of saved our asses. And you predicted that every member of my team would have some sort of uh, (laughs) gastrointestinal distress (laughs) uh, before the tour was out. And we did. Oh, my God. We did. We were turtling and mud-butting through almost every show. (laughs)
0: Yeah. If you, if you don't poop the bed, you're really not visiting Madagascar. And that's <laughs> it, just the truth. It's story. something we've
3: discussed on this show quite a few times that experience way too that much. Had.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what were you, what were you doing? What were you looking for in Madagascar? I remember you were going to a place that I've never been there for little giants. What were you doing? It,
1: yeah, so we we're looking for little giants. We we had several actually, some that we didn't manage to get to just purely because of the the distances, relatively speaking, are not that great. But as you know, travel is extremely difficult, yeah. and uh, so we really hope to get up north to some of these tiny chameleons and also mm-hmm. to see the pelican spiders. And mm-hmm. and I was speaking to some of the experts at the Smithsonian about them, and uh, I bought myself a pooter. You ever use a you know little pooter to catch the tiny spiders? It's basically like a, a turkey baster, but you just uh, Puff the oh, air okay. out of it because okay. these spiders are only about the size of a grain of rice or maybe a grain of wheat. Mm. Okay. Um, if you're going to be a grain nazi, and uh, <laughs> so so there I was, and finally, uh, you know, on the ninth largest island in the world with my puter, and, and couldn't get those spiders. <laughs> but we got um, we got some of the small we got the smallest or one of the smallest uh, of the of the mouse lemurs. Um, oh, cool! Uh, and we also got. Uh, we are looking for a lot of the Tenrecs, but specifically mm-hmm. I really, really wanted to capture uh, good footage and get a hold of some of those lowland-striped Tenrecs. Uh-huh. And, you know, the ones that have the little uh, knitting needle... Um, send before on their butt, and yep. they can send out those subsonic and they make, singles. they make
0: sound with it. Yeah, we actually encountered one on our first trip to Madagascar, believe it or not. Nice. It was running around outside of our lodge, and I flipped over what? a palm frond, and it was there with a the whole family, and we picked it up and did a whole beat on it. It was incredible. And oh. it was something you oh. could have never planned for. You know, like, we, no. we could have looked for two months and never found one, and one was scurrying around in front of the lodge. Um, oh, but you, you know what, Bradley? That, um, you know, I don't want to jump into just everything that we do on the podcast straight away because I've got a million questions for you. But one thing that came up that's super relevant to what we're talking about, did you see that this week they named the new smallest Brachysia species in the world, the new smallest chameleon species was identified this week?
1: I read that, I read that, and I was so excited. I mean, these things, you want, do you want to talk about that now? Or, yeah, because, let's yeah. dig into so it. It's in the news. I, What's I in love the news? This. I love this so much. So the smallest, the smallest not just the smallest chameleon, but the smallest lizard, yeah. and and knocking on the door of a smallest reptile, certainly by weight. Yep. And what I love about these guys is, and the big fact, and I'm sure you know this because this is a, a, a phallic-centric show, <laughs> Is, it is their disproportionately large uh, member.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Wow. And, but, what, but isn't that exquisite? Is that yeah. on someone's finger or is that yeah. its own penis? <laughs> 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 oh, shit. All right. it's a good one. But the, 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 but the thing that I love about it for all these tiny species of chameleon is that their penis is inversely proportional to the size of their tongue. Right. They oh. have a, a oh, relatively wow. speaking, a, even though they still have the, the hydrostatic uh, projectile that is a chameleon's tongue, it's actually much more attached and, and, and doesn't go out very far. And this relates back to both howler monkeys, as you recall. Mm-hmm. Howler monkeys that call the loudest have the smallest testicles. And, mm-hmm. of course, FDR, you know, speak softly, carry a very big stick. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> yeah. just to uh,
3: illustrate the penis size of this thing, uh, I'm reading here on the show doc. It's 18.5 percent of its total body size. That's the equivalent of a uh, of me having a 14 and a half inch dick. I just I'm just saying.
0: Did you actually do that yeah. math or Will you Will did just, the just math no, and put it producer. Okay. Will did the math. Okay, let's <laughs> <I don't laughs> do the math.
2: <laughs> but, well, good for that chameleon. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just like a human with a 15-inch penis, maybe makes it a little harder to reproduce, and maybe that's why they're just getting discovered in 2021. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, a,
0: that's a hell of a concept. Yeah. I just
1: I, I, my question is this: penis size and mating and uh, you know mating competition are usually related. You know, the right. more and you want a longer penis to get further inside the female so that your mm. sperm gets ahead of the competitive sperm, etc. What is happening for these tiny guys that travel about four or five inches a day on the ground and nest, you know, two inches up a a plant? What kind of mad... Bacchanalian sexual festival is right. going on there. That they need this outrageous jousting stick of the pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
2: they're, it's For like it's, they're whiskers. You're supposed to answer that. You do you not know the answer? You're a herp guy.
0: You no, know, it's it's a it's a phenomenal question. It's interesting. I've never seen Peter take notes before, but he's very invested in this. <laughs> yes. uh, but no, I mean, it, you know, Bradley really summed it up. It's it's, you know, it's that competition as far as as you said penetration to make sure that your sperm is the one that gets you know replicated and turns into offspring mm. and you just there's it's like a peacock's tail right it never ends it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> as evolutionary time goes it, you know we're only a million ways we're, we're only a million years away from this chameleon being nothing but penis it's just going to be a penis <laughs> yeah. with four legs yeah that's just all it's going to be yeah.
2: <laughs> I got a question. So, you know, Bradley, I, I've been out with you. Bradley and I uh, worked on a documentary uh, in Admiralty Island in Alaska uh, mm-hmm. filming bear. We didn't use any. Uh, there were so many bear there. We didn't have to use any sort of bait whatsoever. You know, we didn't put any meat out or anything like that on our right. camera traps. Obviously, for us, you know, we built an entire tree out of meat in Zanzibar. <laughs> sure um, did.
1: Of for the leopard? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was super you know, fun. <laughs> we're,
2: we're, when you were looking for predators, you know, there's certain things you can do. When, Bradley had a show on Animal Planet that went the same way as Extinct or Alive. I don't think COVID helped either of us out too much as far right. as filming a big international show. But when you're looking for tiny insects for, for a TV show, how do, you, what's, how do you start by going, I want to find this one centimeter long spider? Interesting. Bradley, you,
0: you should really weigh in on that. I mean, yeah. I, I so I love little giants. I was very disappointed when that didn't continue because I thought, uh, and for anybody listening to this, Bradley had a show on Animal Planet called Little Giants where what they would do is they would go and find these incredible tiny animals like the brachygia, the tiny chameleon we were just talking about, and they would blow them up to the, you know, larger proportion so that you could understand their superpowers, so to speak, their relative strength, their relative size, oh. uh, you know, their relative speed, et cetera, et cetera. That's and, super uh, cool. Yeah. And so that's the show that Bradley did with a co-host. I, I'm blanking on his name right now. Billy
1: Amon. Billy Arman.
0: With Billy. And, and it was super fun and very, very educational. Now, I want to let you talk here in a second, Bradley, but when Patrick and I pitch you know animal planet and go hey we're gonna go look for this extinct three foot long snake they're like oh it's only three feet no you can't do that that's that's stupid (laughs) like nobody's gonna watch that meanwhile bradley you successfully had this show where you guys were looking for things the size of a a pinhead so yeah tell us about it
1: well the funny thing is that it in the way that it came about was not just due to my natural passion for tiny extraordinary creatures but to the fickleness of television executives. So we did a, so Patrick and I did a two-hour documentary on these gigantic bears on the island of Kutsnawu in the uh, Alexander Archipelago. Mm-hmm. And, and long story short, we helped identify this gigantic subspecies that was a hybrid species from the Ice Age. They love this so much. They said, can you get this same basic recipe and do it all over the world? Find these huge specimens that are relics of a lost time and, and explain mm-hmm. that, you know, get, get the DNA sample and, and break it down for us. And so we put that together. Then there was a huge culture shift and they fired everybody, as happens in TV every two years. <laughs> and then you guys or go, left. yeah, we don't, we don't want big and scary, which was my brand. We want small and cuddly. And I go, oh, so instead of finding giants, how about little giants? Love it. So off you go. So <laughs> oh, for five nice. seconds, we had this, this mandate to do these extraordinary little animals. But as we got deeper into it, they, yeah, we wanted to be scarier. So then we have to keep adding venomous, dangerous, creepy <laughs> things to it to <laughs> just the nature of the beast. But how yeah. do we find them? Well, yeah. that's, that's the trick. A lot of what we do is look for conditions that would force them to be in one place over another. So for example, when we're looking for Sonoran centipedes, Let's do it in the middle of the day when it's so hot in the desert that we, they have to find sanctuary in the shade. Mm-hmm. So that concentrates them together. In the same way that you look for animals during a drought at waterholes. Sure. Similar principles. But with the really tiny ones, and the hardest one to find um, was the Devil's mantis in Mozambique, which is mm-hmm. already at the southern end of its range. I mean, literally... We just checked a million leaves.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought so. Yeah. Oh God, that must have been oh. tedious. But I'm sure it was, you were in heaven. But good lord, the what producer I, I'm I, sure I, yeah. was there just like, oh, my God, more leaves today.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and,
1: and, and I'm and I'm one of those people that uh, I'm, 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 I like yeah, that to think thing. I'm a good person and a noble entity. But the suffering of others delights me. So I yeah. actually didn't Wonderful. mind that at all.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, hey, I've Will, Google devil's flower mantis, because that's that's the one we're talking about. And uh, you'll find a better picture. They're incredible animals. Um, but, Bradley, so you guys did find one. How many days did it take? Cause, so I've been to Madagascar a number of times, as we discussed. I was there a day before you landed last time. And um, one of the animals that we look for were leaf geckos, right? And you know what they're like, right? I mean, yeah. they just they blend in. You could be, you could be a say. foot away from one staring at it, and you can't see it on the trunk of a tree. And I'm sure these mantis are the same. I've never targeted them. But um, t- how long did it take? How happy were you when you found one? Like, t- Tell us a little bit about it.
1: Well, we, we actually did it in three days. We were pretty lucky, and uh,
0: fuck me then. <laughs> and,
1: and, uh, we, and, but we but we I have to say we had about seven people. I mean that's the myth. Uh, that's look. Obviously, in these TV shows, obviously we edit them to be more more exciting. Right. Um, I will sometimes uh, capture several. Uh, specimens, and then we'll just film the best one or the most active one or whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. So we definitely play with reality a little bit in order to communicate the larger points of the story more effectively. But, you know, I was trying to explain to the team the principle of staring through things. So when you're in a, mm. in a military operation, you need to learn to look through trees and to look for certain signature shapes. So if you can program your brain to look for certain triggers, and so obviously, the raptorial arms are a great giveaway. Mm-hmm. The the lozenge-shaped head is a great giveaway. Um, and I said, look for a movement that is slightly out of sync with the movement of the leaf. Because of course, all these mantis, all the mantids in general, uh, and the phasmids, they start to sway, and, and sometimes they're just slightly out of sync with yeah. the breeze that's happening. And mm. we, let, let me tell you, we found a metric wow. shit ton of dragonflies and butterflies and beetles. <laughs> but, but eventually, and it wasn't even like a seventh instar, it was like a third instar. It was tiny, it was about yeah. the size of a dime wow. in terms of height. It was very, very hard to find, and a beautiful purple color, um, but uh, exquisite, exquisite little creature. And you literally feel like you're holding a living gem.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I remember when we were in Zanzibar, Patrick, and uh, we were walking through the forest I was at night. just thinking about it. About I the flap neck chameleon. Yeah, tell the story, because yeah. from your perspective, it's probably well, funnier. <laughs>
2: when you said, look, see through things, it made me think immediately of it. I, you know, I like to make fun of Forrest. I give him a lot of shit. Really? Nobody ever noticed that. So Nobody's that people don't think I'm just, yeah. just blowing him <laughs> when I give him a compliment. But <laughs> there were times where he would... See something in the dark, and say, "You see that?" And I would look, and he'd be like, "Look," and I would be looking, and I couldn't see it. And then he would shine his flashlight on it, and I still couldn't see. Oftentimes, <laughs> you know, it would be a chameleon, pretty far away. Um, the chameleon, and then what were the other, the little little uh, primates? That we were mouse, seeing all of them. the Lemons? bush babies. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, the bush, oh, bush, oh, the bush babies, babies. Yeah, Galagos mm-hmm. or whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Galagos. I, I don't
2: yeah. understand. Is that so? That uh, that ability to see through things and and spot animals, is that just from repetition? Do you think there's some genetic component to just, I don't know, your peripheral vision being different? Like it, it's clearly a a talent. A, you know, Michael Phelps swims skill. really fast. I don't. Yeah, some it's a learned can spot skill. Animals. I mean.
0: I'm curious, yeah. sorry, Patrick, I'm going to interrupt. I'm no, curious yeah. to hear what you think, Bradley, but I think it's just, I think it's repetition and it's a learned skill. It's, it's looking to see an abnormality in a landscape. You look out, you know, and you're looking for this abnormality. In the case of a chameleon, I remember with that one flap neck that I was talking about in particular, I saw his, his uh, tail curl. Right? And it was just too perfect. It was too symmetrical. It didn't match the ferns that had that curl. And I was like, oh, that's a chameleon, right? And I could just tell by the shape of the tail curl and the way it was curled up that that was a chameleon and it stood out. I mean, what do you think, Bradley?
1: I, I think that the evidence suggests that uh, visual acuity is inversely proportional to masturbation. So I think that explains <laughs> Patrick's deficiencies. Okay. I think um, I read that but no, in naked I, ape. Yeah, you're right. I I I, <laughs> I I agree with you, Forrest. And and I would just um, expand that thought one more. It's practice. It's yeah. It's it is it is a learned technique. Yeah. It is experience. It's having seen that animal, and and from a computer point of view, it's called fuzzy logic. Being able to understand how it would look from different angles. Mm. But when when I was at jungle warfare school, we used to they used to talk about the sixth sense as a very tangible thing. Not as some spiritual hokey-pokey ghost thing, but merely as a infinitesimally small registration on any of the other five senses. Hmm. So small that you can't necessarily pin it down, you can't say that's that shape or that's that sound or that's that smell or, that, f- or that, that texture, but just enough of one or more of your five senses that it's informing you that you have registered something you can't quite ascertain. And mm. so they used to teach us in the uh, in Jungle Warfare School that if you feel someone is watching you, someone is watching you. And it's, that's, just, that's just sixth sense letting you know. Yeah, and, mean, I f- and so I feel that. that exactly what you're saying, it's, it's the technique, it's the experience. But you do it so much that you learn to trust that little inkling. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get good at it. Rather, do t- so-
0: That double take, right? You like do that double take where you, mm. you scan through it. And then there's something that brings you back, and you don't you don't even know what it was on the initial scan, right? And it brings you back to that, that point, and then you can start to register the information as to what that little thing is, whether it's someone looking at you or, or et cetera, et cetera, right? Chameleon curl of a tail, right. et cetera.
1: And you can, but here's one of the things about that, particularly in our business, is you can get too good at it. And what that happens then is that you're so good mm-hmm. at focusing on particular visual, audible, or scent cues. That you're oblivious to a lot of other things that should really tell you that to to look around. I'll give you an example. We used to do these um, uh, anti-handling objects, so booby trap lanes, looking for things. And in your mind, you're so used to looking for these tiny, drab, matte olive-painted wires and little tiny elevations in bark and things like that that might mean there's a booby this, trap. There or a this landmine. in the military, right? What you're saying, right? Okay. Yeah, in the military, and so you wouldn't actually see anything significant. So you could put a, a red handkerchief. Um, or, you know, a hamburger <laughs> on the ground. And I wouldn't see that <laughs> because I'm looking for these things. And so sometimes we get ourselves in trouble. We're so dialed in, particularly yeah. for tiny creatures such as insects and small reptiles, that we don't see a giant snake curled up necessarily right. venomous, or, yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: a yeah, big pile of, uh, of, of lion crap. And uh, it's, it's, so it's important to balance that technique with general awareness in order to be, have optimal efficiency in the bush bradley you know what
0: i find bradley uh, so, oh sorry go ahead peter I, was just gonna I, ask, I have a dog leg from this
1: uh, yeah i was just
3: gonna ask what's like the you, you're in the special forces man special forces is like intense when I, as a layman on this podcast i'm like somebody we have somebody on the podcast who's in the special forces what's like the craziest fucking thing you experienced
1: in the special forces well, I remember doing, um, and this isn't a, a, I have a couple of lowlights and highlights that come to mind immediately. Um, one was just miserable when we were doing a rehearsal uh, operation in northern Australia near the Arafura Sea, and it was a night insertion, I'm carrying my own body weighting gear, and I go through a tree, and of course you can't see the ground, and I land on my backpack and fracture my ankle. And then I have to hump it 50 miles with that ankle. Oh man! Um, and I didn't even bother to look at it. I just gaffetate the outside of my boot, and off we went. Because you're leading a platoon, and and you got to do the thing. I remember that being miserable and hating it at the time, and now <laughs> just loving that I used to be someone who could do that. <laughs> right. Looking back and yeah. being
0: like, wow, I was really <laughs> capable.
1: <laughs> another time, another time, I remember. Um, I remember. Uh, uh, we have been doing uh, jungle warfare school. uh, uh was a couple of them in Australia, but one that just rained the entire time. And someone trying to help everybody, give them a bit of a morale boost because uh, it was freezing cold in the middle of winter and yet raining the whole time. It was very strange conditions. And we would had some strange mishaps. Like one day I only covered 100 yards a day because there's this greasy red mud up this hill through the rainforest. And we covered, in you know, a whole day of patrolling, about yeah. 110 yards. I mean, that's how awful it was. Just you imagine slipping doing that backwards full, f- the whole yeah. time. Yeah. It's yep. like it's when you guys ball. were
3: crawling around trying to find the Fernandino turtle, or whatever it's called. Just every day, m- incrementally moving. But he's way exactly. cooler. Yep. You guys are cool, about
1: and, it. so, cool. <laughs> and so, And so, anyway, they went to a non-tactical state. And let everyone light fires for the first time. That was step number one. And that was a bad call because uh, some guy, you know how when you, you ever seen those old army rations and you got the the cans of things like cans of cheese and whatever. Yeah, the MREs. uh, Right. Well, this is pre-MRE, but yes. And and so what you do is you you grab the can, you hit it on the side of your boot to form indentations all the way around. Mm -hmm. You put it in the fire. And then when that expands, it means it's cooked. And, and you can notice it expanding, right? Sure. If you don't do that, you're never really sure how big. Anyway, some guy doesn't do it to a little thing of cheese. It blows up, slices his carotid. Now there's a many no back. Way. the guy. Yeah, so Holy now the guy's going to be, you know, ch- cheese murdered in the middle of the <laughs> rainforest. <laughs> She's low. and and then and then someone trying to help us go. You know what? These these boys have been out there for a long time. Uh, you know they're all cold and wet and covered in fungus. Let's let's give them a hot meal. And so they brought this army catering unit, and they put in a uh, they grilled these steaks and whatever else. So we hump it in. By the time we get there, all the Bay Marie's are full of water. The steaks are floating. We eat them anyway. We've been eating rats for six weeks. Damn. Now yeah. we're eating steak, and immediately we're just crapping ourselves and yep. I couldn't make it into cover so I just get out my killing knife and I'm cutting my underwear off and my pants <laughs> up just like that's a battle that's a battle casualty Is I mean, that a whole stupid story <laughs> It's 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 a great lesson okay it, and it, it, that was it, it, that was the night you never, met your wife right yeah. That is the, she found the underwear. It had my name and phone number on it. Yeah. She texted me. Nah. No. Right. Happily married. Beautiful daughter.
0: Are you kidding so, the lesson me? there, the lesson <laughs> there, Brosners, if you're listening, is if you've been eating rats in the jungle for six weeks, don't eat a steak.
1: Sorry, yeah. 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 That's it. Two different Don't eat, don't eat a steak. But so, and the important thing is don't go soft. Don't yeah. think don't think you deserve a reward for suffering. Just suffer and right. enjoy I the like fact that, that you're able to suffer. That's a, that's embrace embrace
0: yeah. the suffering.
1: Embrace the
0: suffering. Don't ever think you
3: earned a fucking day to relax. Everybody hear that? Everybody just keep going. Who
1: needs hot cheese? Would you rather have hot cheese or would you rather be not be dead? Personally, yeah, I'd hot have hot cheese. cheese no. It depends. Um, If I'm at a baseball game, I want that cheese pretty hot.
2: Laying in bed, I'd just rather be dead. Fuck it.
0: Bradley, I want to go back to something we were talking about earlier, because with your formal training, you might have an answer to this, and it's something that has always, I've never understood it. So I grew up in Zimbabwe, right? I I grew up um, learning to track in the bush and read tracking signs and spot animals and all the things that we just discussed. Anywhere I go... I think that I take in pretty much most of the information, right? I'm walking through the woods and I go, oh, there's this kind of trees and it's this kind of soil and the weather's doing this and the wind's blowing that way. I'm sure you were trained to do the same thing, right? So you just take in all this information. I never get lost in the bush and Patrick can attest to that. We'll be 40 miles out and I'll be like, turn around, we're going south and we're back, right? I Mm -hmm. I literally don't think I've ever been lost outdoors. If you put me in New York City, and I'm serious, I'm not saying this for the humor, if I turn left once, I'm completely lost. And there's this mm. flood of information because there's all these flashing lights and these signs and these stores and these high-rises and these street colors. And there's all this information. And I, I'm, I'm very serious. I'm, I'm really curious about this, that I cannot take in. Like, it's like an overload of information when I go to a city. And instantly, I, like, I'm like i lost. And I, I don't just say that to be like cute or funny. Like I cannot navigate my way around a city. I can't navigate my way around... Big, big development. Like all these things, where there's so much overstimulation of information that I, I just I lose it straight away. Whereas mm-hmm. you can drop me in the middle of absolute nowhere, and I know exactly what I'm doing. Hmm. So, so your you're talk.
3: you're saying, Forrest, that you you can't function in regular society, but in a forest, you're good.
0: Basically, yes. That's okay. Basically, <laughs> that's, that's, I think. That's but I'm is, serious, that. man. I just can't. Man, like when I go to New York for meetings and stuff i If I don't pull out my phone and look at the maps, I cannot yeah. do it i It's too much information. I can't walk down a street and come back and recognize points that allow me to get back i just it's it's like I'm trying to take in every single street sign and every single name and every single window reflection and i I just kinda it's an over- it's an overload of so, information
2: so basically what you're asking is does Bradley equally as – Non-functional are
0: you as and stupid? quite pathetic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as yes. you are in you outside of a jungle
1: setting. That's set. my question. I, I look. <laughs> I have, I look I, I'm not a city person. In fact, I would never have met Patrick and done the uh spent all those years with a uh and and then met Patrick. If I hadn't hated the city so much, so I came out here <laughs> right. on a sabbatical mm-hmm. and fell in love with, the love of my life, and now my wife, mother, my beautiful daughter, and I love her, and I hated being in Los Angeles. I mean, there are more people. Uh, and not to denigrate Los Angeles, I mean, you I'm can not saying it's away. just a, a, a shithole. Sure, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a worthless smog bubble of, of of vapid vegans, <laughs> but what I am saying. There's more people in this city than my entire country. I'm from Tasmania. Yeah, right. I, I live on the east coast of Tasmania, where There's in front of my farm there. there. Yeah, yeah. Like in, in the course of an entire summer, there were six people on my beach, and four of them were penguins. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, so, LA was doing my head in. I was so miserable, and I just said, I, I can't. I'm I just too much all the time. And so I started, I, I started researching bears and the Klinger people, and went to Alaska and the rest of the say. But I'll ask you, let me ask you a question. Have you formally studied ma- uh, navigation or have you self-taught? Self-taught. I've never okay. had
0: any formal training in navigation.
1: So there's, so, there's, so there's several aspects to what is causing this phenomenon for you. Mm-hmm. And there's an easy way to fix it. Sure. Um, <laughs> the, first is, the first is what you're relying on are two different things. Firstly, is an incredible memory. Of objects that mean something to you, and that's you're navigating by memory. Yeah, and that's great while your memory's uh, so sharp. But there'll come a time um, for various conditions and aging and what else that you will lose that. Sure. And my dad is a very smart man, and he was he's a gifted surgeon. He's retired now, and he navigated by memory when he was younger, and then as he got older, um, he would start getting lost. So first is it's memory because objects you lock them in because you care about them. Mm -hmm. The other thing is is subconsciously. Even though human beings don't have that, that pineal eye, that third eye that a lot of fish and, and uh, a lot of marine animals and reptiles mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. which is a very ancient form of navigation as well as a defensive system, right. we are still attuned to the sun. And so the sun is acting as a compass for you even though you don't consciously acknowledge it. So, mm-hmm. for example, when you are, you can make an, an easy compass uh, with a stick in the sand, but right. on the equator... And I'm sure you've been to the Amazon uh, at least as many times as I have, if not more. And it, I remember doing a tour with the Amazon Rangers who were, we, would, we were basically trying to recapture, um, you know, poached um, parrots and primates. And they would just do the simplest technique of all, which is remember where the sun is on your way out, on which part of your shoulder, right. and then it, it should be on, th- yeah, flip it on the way back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, the, that's a simple an ancient method, you're doing that subconsciously by knowing where the sun is in relation with you moving. So right. in other words, it's, 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 the, it's the acuity of your brain that's allowing you not to make mistakes, even though you're not using formal navigation tools. Interesting. And one of the e- easiest ways for you to get around anywhere, and remember, I'm a little bit older than most of the people on this, uh, on this uh, podcast, so I still wear an old watch. And I recommend if you don't want to carry a compass, and obviously iPhones are garbage once you get out in the sticks because they're just basically paperweights. Sure. Right. I carry a watch. You learn how to navigate by your watch. Yep. You put the you know how to do it. You know I you do, put yeah. the point of the, well, the hour hand and then Peter and the, I don't. How do you navigate with a watch? It's really very easy. You point the, the southern hemisphere. Anyway, you point the twelve. You point the twelve at the sun. Yep. Okay. There's the hour hand. Halfway between that is north. Right. Okay. 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 Now. Now that I used to use that when I first started coming to Los Angeles twenty-six years ago. <laughs> and, and you had paper maps and that's it. Oh, and you're folding out this basically this picnic blanket yeah, in, in, yeah. in the car. And I had an accident. I crashed into a Volvo on the 405 doing that many years ago. <laughs> now now I just go, okay, I know where I'm going is west, right. here's north, and I'll yep. and I'll gradually Off get there. <clears throat> so I would say that if you don't want to rely on a smartphone. Just learn how to navigate with your watch. And no, that's kind of cool. I didn't know you could that. do that. It's anywhere in the world. That's, yep. that's why these old timepieces never go out of style. I got a question right. for, for probably Forrest and uh,
3: BTG. The I, I've heard mixed uh, reviews on this uh, factoid or whatever, but I've tried to use it when I've been in the woods, and that's that the Moss... Will always be on the north side, growing mm. on the north. And then I've been told it's bullshit. And like, I'm out there, like, okay, like in the woods, <laughs> like it's on the north yeah. side. We're going north.
1: Like, I know we are. And so that's bullshit, yeah?
0: yeah? It just, it, well, Bradley, go ahead, but I'll, I'll explain okay. some of it.
1: There are some very rare occasions when that is absolutely true. Yep. <laughs> but Great. by and large, by, you have to remember that, that moss isn't caused by the absence of sunlight. Right. It's it's caused by other atmospheric conditions of moisture and nutrition and a whole bunch of different things, plus the wind and the light get altered coming through the trees. Right. So yeah. no, no. If you if you do that, you will end up living on moss. You'll, <laughs> you'll just you will be walking Everybody in circles because
0: every single yeah. tree will have its slightly different angle, and you'll just be going in circles yeah. around all the trees, following the moss forever. An old
3: wives' <laughs> tale. Now, now
2: here's a question, Bradley. So. Typically, when Forrest is in New York, we're together because we've gone to you know, have some meeting or whatever. When I make him go search for a suitable slice of New York pizza at Ooh. 2 a.m. and the sun's not up, now what are we Ryan. doing? Well, and that's particularly
1: to- hard because you've got cloud cover and no access to the stars. That's right. Um, I, I think. I think pay attention to the street signs. You fucking idiot. Smell, smell. <laughs> smell the sewers. There's, a, there's actually a, go by the sewers. There, te- there, there is a technique specific to New York, and that is, <laughs> you, you bump you bump into anybody, and you say, "I uh, I want to go." What's the name of that famous pizza? The original Rays, right? Yeah. You yeah. say, "I want to slice." I'm going. So you see two people walking down the street in the middle of the night, and you say, um, where is the original rays? And, and they will immediately start arguing <laughs> over which one was the original. And from, ah. and from a series of those arguments, you will ascertain where you are in New York City. There Understood. you go. It's the same Make thing that. in Chicago. You, you
3: ask somebody where, like, Girodano's is, and they'll be like, oh, no, you don't want to go there. You got to go to Uno's. You got to go to Gino's East. Like, everybody's got the opinion. But you'll get to a fucking Yuck. pizza place eventually.
0: And no matter which one you go to, you'll get fat, and it's disgusting because Chicago deep dish is revolting. Oh, fuck. See, I've oh. never
2: gained, I've never yeah. gained a pound oh. from Chicago deep dish because... I don't understand
0: it. I don't understand it. So it's like gross.
3: lasagna. Do you understand lasagna?
0: Come on. It's not like lasagna. I mean, it's just a brick of cheese with carbs under it. It doesn't it's make it, any it's sense. just
3: because you've it's, been it's, working
1: out. Now you're just like, oh, I don't need <laughs> fucking pizza. I I rubs love pizza. Fuck off. Sorry. <laughs> there are so many great places to eat. I remember going to a place called Girl and Goat in Chicago. Some of the best food I've ever had in my life. Wow. Some of the best restaurants in America. Yes, remember yeah, that absolutely. was the home of Charlie Trotter, the world's first um, you know, uh, what do they call it? Um, uh, Heston Blumenthal is another one. All these um, sciencey, chef things with the phones oh, oh, and the uh, gels, gastro, and the- or uh, yeah, I know what you're yeah, yeah. About, where
0: they mix the science and all the smokes and everything while they're making your food. Yeah, I've got kind Molec- of a funny oh, sorry, Mo- go ahead, Bradley
1: molecular gastronomy. You That's don't want it. a hot yeah. dog, you want you want a lavender and sheepshank enema, and it's like. <laughs> and it's, yes. it's, it's, and then this deep dish thing—it's like a shortbread bucket full of sadness. Ah, yeah. uh, fuck off! It's I the original. You, I, 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 you guys, you, guys,
3: you guys, So, so you're a New York pizza guy, Pat. Pat, you've lived in New York, and I've heard you talk about how much you love a Chicago deep dish. I've also heard that you ordered one oh, and it's, fell it's asleep good. in the hotel room and didn't eat a single bite. So I was—I think I was if you're not you from that, America,
0: night. you don't understand it. I think you yeah, know, I get that. I'm from Africa. Bradley's from Australia. We just we just don't understand it. <laughs> All right,
2: so so when Bradley and I were uh, in Alaska, <laughs> um, we went up for a scout trip right before the crew. It was about a week before I had to come back for something, and basically in the time that we were getting ready to shoot, several days before, essentially, uh, the network was like let's, we'd really like to have a co-host just so that Bradley has someone to talk to. And so there was this feverish. That's,
0: that's, let me just interrupt for a second. That's never the most irritating thing that a network does ever. (laughs) When you're like, you're super invested in something, you've worked on it for years, you've been researching the topic, you know, it's your entire field of study. And they're like, hey, why don't we just find someone, I don't know, kind of funny, you know, so, so tall, this right. uh, ethnicity. Uh, and they could be your co-host. You know, they, they'll which, know as much as you. I'm so which was hateable. the case. I mean,
2: Bradley had spent years up there just getting access, had been, become right. a, a oh, brother yeah. in the Klingit tribe or a member of the Klingit tribe. This Damn. was just to get access. And then several days before, they're like, you know, let's give him someone to talk to. So God. <laughs> it ends so up being irritating. a great guy. We're, we're friends with him now, but I'm going to make fun of him for a second. Sure. We love him. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy, Johnny, comes on. And he just was game. He showed up. He had done some travel adventure stuff. Um, He shows up, and he very quickly, within about a day or two, earns the nickname Johnny Inches. Um, Okay. So, so Peter and Forrest, I'm going to give you each a guess as to how he got the nickname Johnny Inches, (laughs) and then Bradley will tell you
3: how he got that nickname.
0: Peter, you go first. All right. Um, Well,
3: like our small lizard friend, uh, but the opposite he had a tiny dick that he navigated the area with uh, outwardly and it was the first thing you noticed about him so you started calling him Johnny Inches wow. good guess okay. for us good guess so i'm going to guess
0: that he although was an outdoorsman fun guy really into adventure was a little nervous around the Bears. So when, uh, when you were out, in the, out and about, he'd just start kind of inching up to Bradley a little bit. For, uh, <laughs> oh, that's you know, maybe okay. just like, hey, that's, hey that's Brad, what's really up? Yet. I'm going to stand right by you over here. <laughs>
2: okay. That's a genius Neither of you answer. Got it
1: right, but that's a great answer. <laughs> uh, Bradley, how did he get the
2: nickname Johnny Inches? Uh,
1: so first of all, I would say, Peter, that Johnny is a ladies' man of some renown. So I, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> he's... Yes he's lacking in the hardware department at all but, um, and and there were times look he was out of his comfort zone for us and there were times when he was happy to we would keep him in the safety sandwich you know mm-hmm. Alvin Johnson my Klinger brother would go at 12 o'clock and I would go end Charlie at 6 and we'd keep him in the mm-hmm. middle mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he was happy to be there but <laughs> in fact he had a reverse problem. We'd see a big bear. We saw some very big bears there. We saw an eight foot sow. We saw a 10 foot boar. And it was wow. only just across a small waterway. Sure. Like, you know, like two tennis courts. And he starts going forwards. And it, the bear had already dropped down flat on the ground. So the bear was like, I don't like this. I'm going to watch you and shut yeah, yeah. and, and he was, you know, basically uncertain. And Johnny would actually inch towards the bear to get <laughs> wow. a reaction. Wow. And I had to break cover and come down and go, Johnny, mate, <laughs> nothing good. You know, yeah. four giant paws, huge jaws. You are five ways fucked. Please stop doing that. Um, yeah. So he, no, he, he definitely wasn't scared. No, he got the uh, he got the title because he was game for anything, and he hosts his own show, The Roadless mm-hmm. Traveled on Travel Channel, and uh, he's fearless. He's up for anything. But he didn't know anything about bears. And he came in this short notice. So he became the designated measurer of things. And ah. everything we saw, however inconsequential, a fecal sample, a scratch yeah. on a tree, those were good things. We yeah. had just ridiculous. And he'd be just measuring it. And he was so serious. <laughs> I mean, he lived it. I, I love it. And, 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 and just remember, we love this guy. Yeah, no I taking sure, the piss. He has a master's degree in linguistics, okay? Right. He's no <laughs> idiot. Right. And, but he just, he went, okay, if that's my role, I'm doing that he's role. He's committed to the yeah. cause. Yeah, yeah. And man, he was, <laughs> yeah. That was. That's I, I the still, best. I, I call him Johnny Inches to this day. Uh, so he's in great. my phone as Johnny it.
2: Inches. I love, I love that story. Him. I, I that. ran that. into him on the street, BTG. I ran into him on the street in West Hollywood not long ago. And we were just crossing the streets, and I was like, Johnny Inches. And in classic Johnny Inches uh, style, I was like, what do you do? You don't live over here. What are you doing? He's like, oh, there's like a girl that lives up there. I was like, okay, <laughs> Johnny Inches.
1: Take your inches somewhere else. Get out of my neighborhood. He's, he, he, he lives the dream. I don't know where he's living now. It's somewhere in Central America or somewhere in South America. Good but God. last time we spoke, he just come back from Ukraine, and we were thinking of doing something on all of the well, – looking for evidence – of some of these mutated spe- uh, species out of Propiet and Chernobyl following Ooh, the nuclear mm-hmm, meltdown. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting for us as science nerds because really the only species to have that kind of mutation live long enough to be second generation are right. bats right. over there. But everything else is many generations down and they're being irradiated now, but they didn't get that crazy dose early on. But, yeah, he just come back and he, would you believe he met a beautiful girl there? And, <laughs> and he, just, he, he just, wherever you, wherever you want to go... Johnny's there and he's got a great <laughs> plus one. Wow. Yeah. what's <laughs> yeah. done. I just what? Hey, what I just
3: tried to find Johnny Inch's the uh, Instagram account. Doesn't exist, but there is one, Johnny Inch's photography. I really hope
2: it's him. Uh, uh, it's I don't, I don't not, think that's but. our boy. I don't think that's our boy. <laughs>
0: so Forrest so, uh, you oh go yeah. ahead for us. No, I was gonna start talking <clears> about some stuff that I saw in <throat> the news, but what uh, I was gonna say, you got a new desk
2: this week. What's oldest. it made out of? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a, it's a Brazilian teak. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, it smells oh, nice. very nice. You guys know um, quite nice. a bit about wood. I'll tell you that much. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, we learned everything we know from Johnny Inches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How so what came your across your new, your new Brazilian
2: Gen- teak desk this week? Gen- um, gentlemen yeah, so, so there's,
0: yeah, you know, let's get into it. What's in the news? My favorite thing that I found this week is California, the state that we all reside in, except for W.T. Willie, state that we love to hate and make fun of and talk about the terrible roads and you know the governor and everything else, is doing something good for a change. California yeah. is set to build the largest wildlife crossing in the world. Wow. This is a good thing, guys. This is oh, a yeah. very good thing. And of all places, it's happening right by you, Ritep, in yep. Agora Hills, right in the valley. I saw um, this, it's ooh. big news. Isn't this great? The bridge is set to be completed in 2023. Um, it's been mostly funded by private donors, which I think is awesome, right? Like the yeah, state wow. didn't pay for it, the government didn't pay for it. So a bunch of private people were like, you know what? Let's save the animals. Um, the idea is to reconnect natural habitat so that coyotes and bobcats and mountain lions, et cetera, can cross over giant freeways. I'm guessing the 101 mm-hmm. um, and it's going to be the largest wildlife crossing in the world. And I just think good for us, you know, good for you, California. Way to set an example.
3: Well, well, I mean, so I, I agree, but it is California, so there's a good chance they're going to fuck it up, but it, it, is, it is a great
2: thing. Well, also, how about I, you know, the fact that we, we have, <laughs> in California, we're 50th out of 50. We have the highest state income tax, we have the highest mm. corporate tax. And yet, individual donors had to pay for them to do one right. fucking thing to build a bridge like, that we yeah. like. So, yeah. kind of a, in my opinion, is fuck off California, but at least they allowed it. Uh, so I think it's really cool. Bradley, I am so negative about the state it's right insane. now. I'm trying yeah. to move to
1: Montana. I, I want to get the <laughs> oh, fuck really? out of here. I, I, look, I get that. I, 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 I think Montana's gorgeous and I think we should all move there. Although if you move there, then I will revise that opinion. But yeah. I, <laughs> same. so I went, so I went to, so I actually went to the launch of this, uh, in oh, 2018. Nice. The, uh, the Arroyo and, uh, Foothills Conservancy event at the Wisconsin Gardens. um, And I was staggered by the scope of this idea and the cost. Yeah. And Mm. I couldn't believe it. I remember that this is, this this Animal Crossing is part of what will one day be one of the largest wildlife corridors in the world, not just North America, but in the world. And I'm just like, you know, I don't know, I mean, you know, DeLuca's, one of many DeLuca's homes that I've been to is in Hollywood. Have you tried to buy a house in Hollywood lately? It's not cheap. <laughs> How are you gonna, Agoura Hills is the, is the okay, arguably the cheaper side of the Valley than on the other side at Calabasas right. where, you know, Will Smith and, and everybody, right. Justin Bieber lives. yeah. yeah Bieber. But it is it is still incredibly expensive. And the fact that they raised billions of dollars to do this, wow. Um, wow. I just, I, I'm just so impressed. At the time I was staggered by it. And I say that, and here's why it touches me personally. I come from Tasmania, one of the great wonders of the world, and we have extraordinary wildlife. We have the highest roadkill oh rates. Oh, I've
0: never seen per, anything like it. Sorry, you've uh, seen it, right? Uh, uh, it's a fact. Finish, it's a and I to talk about it. It's, yeah. it's
1: the highest roadkill per mile on the planet. Now, wow. part of that is that it's even though it looks small compared to Australia, it's still a very large island, and it's largely unpopulated. Doesn't have a huge tax base. The terrain is unforgiving, so we do not have a lot of wildlife uh, wildlife crossings of any kind. Just now, we're insisting the government investigate this, and they're finally putting real money into it and trying new technology. But it is horrific, and I'll tell you, one of the bizarre things, it became this really ugly way of measuring the health of wildlife populations, because you used to find dead devils, you know, several Mm. per mile. And then I lived in an area where we had had the highest population of devils in Tasmania, and over a period of nine years went to virtually none. So it's an interesting measure of wildlife populations, roadkill. It's it's more than just dead carcasses on the road, but it is hellacious. So I salute anyone coming up with a big solution. Absolutely. Tasmania, this is specific
2: to Tasmania, right? You you guys have the worst roadkill?
1: We have the the worst, and it's because we have... Shocking. A lot of nocturnal animals who have no traffic sense, and we like have forest. tiny roads. Sorry, <laughs> we have tiny. We have our free. It's like I lived on the Tasman Highway, right? That's a one-lane highway, and uh, in name only. And people are doing eighty miles an hour, mm-hmm. and these animals come out and they get killed. And uh, wow, it's horrific. So I, I want to try that Tasmania and
2: could sorry, be worse. Than, sorry, I don't want to dog like, it, but to think that Tasmania is worse than New Zealand.
0: Oh, it's, is it's uh, shocking. You know, New Zealand,
1: New, well, New Zealand has no mammals. It's yeah, just the you know, amount of possums bats.
0: you see on the, the road. The invasive d- stones. D- yeah, and they're granted, ours. they're invasive. They're, they're, but,
1: yeah. they're, they're yeah. ours. They're killing right. out possums <laughs> that we gave them. <laughs> right, we right, g- right. Sorry, for <laughs> no, us, sorry, I mean, I mean, say, Yeah.
0: I was just going to explain, it, it's, you know, <laughs> Bradley's probably callous to it because he grew up with it, but I've traveled many, many places around the world and seen incredible wildlife and seen terrible things dead on the road and everything in between, one of the most shocking things that I have ever witnessed in my life is the amount of roadkill on the roads in Tasmania. I mean, someone like myself who's so passionate about animals and hates seeing them suffer or die, I mean, when when we landed, we landed in Hobart, got in the car to drive to whatever the area we were going to go to was. Within three minutes, I made them pull over the car because there was a roadkill, right? I was like, pull over, pull over. I want to see what it is, right? Sure. When, after doing that 19 more times over the remaining half mile, the driver was like, can we stop this now? You know, and it was, <laughs> I, 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 I've, I'm not kidding. I've never seen anything mm. like it. You're, stand, you're, you're parked at a roadkill, and as you look down, not a very straight highway, you can see 40 or 50 more dead animals looking down the road just as you stand there Holy parked shit, in a car. I, didn't know this. I mean it's yeah. it's the road is literally red with the blood of animals that have been hit and it's it's unbelievable it's wombats and wallabies and I mean the list goes on and on and on and it's just you've never seen anything quite like it and it's one of the reasons shocking. something I love to talk about as we all know is you know the predators are gone so the the thylacine is gone the um, the the devil's population has been driven to you know near extinction in many places. Yeah. One because of people, two because of herpes, blah blah blah. But um, you know it, it's just it's unbelievable. So the the populations of all these uh, you know non predatory animals are just exploding, and I mean they're just they're. I, I grew up in Africa, right? I've sta- stood yep. on top of granite copies looking over the Great Migration and you see, you know, a hundred thousand animal, wildebeest mm. and zebra, et cetera, mm. et cetera. When I was in Tasmania and we went up on a hill at one night and I used my thermal goggles to look out, it looked like I was on the plains of Africa. I yeah. mean, there was just oh, the thermal signatures of the amount, <laughs> the bioabundance of mammals was un believable yeah.
3: For anybody that wants to envision that, it's. Uh, I'm assuming it's what was in the Lion King,
1: correct? Whoa. Sure. Yeah. Come on. on. <laughs> the Lion King. It's, it's been been a while since up the up there. Damaged. He's holding a lion cub. Um, <laughs> it's look. Tasmania is one of the great wildlife wonders of the world, and if you don't go there, you you are wasting your life. It's one of those must see okay. places, and and you're right. It's it's a place of it's it's yes, it's part of the uh, part of Australia in terms of political border, but it is neither Australia nor is it New Zealand. (coughs) It is its own little thing. Mm -hmm. We have unique plants and animals you won't find anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. And the great majority of them are nocturnal, and they are very weird and absolutely wondrous. (laughs) And you're right. I mean, I remember there being this explosion in the number of crows coming to eat all these dead creatures Mm -hmm. on the side of the road because... The devils, as you say, were diminished in some areas, including where I'm from, uh, by over 90%. Um, Glad to be part of a number of breeding programs, both on the island and on the mainland, where the recovery program, at least in terms of the scientific recovery, in terms of breeding insurance populations, is going very, very well. But we are still not to the bottom of devil facial tumor disease. Um, So it's a big, big deal. But yeah, crazy. And only now we're getting the, the kind of outcry that the government has to invest in new technology to try to uh, keep out, because you can't just put fences up everywhere. That makes it worse. Right. You get what we we have on the Atlantic forests in Brazil. You get these pockets in between the favelas and the various palatial abodes, you get these pockets of of ecosystem that are cut off from others, and so it's it's it's, it's an extended death sentence. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ah. So we cannot cut it up. We've got to connect them in a safe way. Uh, as a Tasmanian, I am ashamed of our track record of roadkill. I applaud people trying to make a difference, and that's why, unlike you cynical pricks, I salute <laughs> the uh, engineers and donors who are building the world's largest largest wildlife bridge in Hills. We, we're just cynical about California.
3: Uh, yeah. BTG, I, yeah. I have a question for you. It comes up mm. uh, from time to time on this podcast. You know those uh, horses that have stripes on them? Yes, I'm aware
1: of them. Well the horses, but yes, equids, yeah. Uh
3: <laughs> what's the common name for those? Ah, does black those ah, black ah, and right. white
1: ones? The, you want me to say you want me to say zebra, right? I, I, As just opposed want, to you to, I
3: want you to naturally say whatever you say. They
0: pull me apart over this. I'm from where zebra. the animal is zebra. from. I pronounce zebra. it correctly. Not How you. How do you say
1: that, Forrest? Zebra. Just, of course. Well it's, it's so, it's, the reason I'm having uh, whiskey and lemon is my throat's gone from doing this, uh, doing an animated show called Adventure Beast on Netflix. It's an animated show inspired by some of my wildlife adventures. It'll be out in July. Yes. I'm awesome. not, I've done a few voiceovers. I did some for Finding Nemo, but that's not who I am. Oh, I spent cool. weeks without yeah. saying a word. And now I'm talking all day. I'm losing my voice, as you can hear. <laughs> but, but they just they have made me go back. And re record the word zebra as zebra because, oh, <laughs> because do they don't believe Americans will understand me. I'm don't thinking, how many other animals sound like that? <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: If you no. hear the word zebra and you don't equate it with zebra, give your fucking head a shake. You, you, really why, have you why are you watching a wildlife about? program if right. you're that. Right. I mean, yeah, really. All right, so I, gotta, I, I have to jump in because Forrest and I have spent an inordinate amount of time just while drinking late at night, talking about the thylacine. We've done two expeditions, one in Tasmania, uh, and you know TV schedule, Bradley. I mean, you have two weeks, uh, if you're lucky, um, to look for something. So we did Tasmania, we did Australia. We've talked about it a huge amount on this podcast. A disproportionate amount of our listeners are Australian. Um, (laughs) That's true. as As a Tassie, and I'm sure someone who's very interested, is the thylacine extinct or is there a small pocket somewhere in the world where it's alive Ah, 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 this is from the
0: mouth of a biologist from tasmania this is important
1: so i would say there's what i believe and there's what i want to believe what i want to believe is that there is a small remote population that has just enough size to be to be able to maintain itself Um, I would say that it's functionally extinct, and sure. that uh, we haven't seen evidence of one, as you know, since 1936. Um, we know they used to be on the mainland. I know in a previous co- uh, episode you talked about how the uh, the dingo outcompeted the slow-moving thylacine. You could you could argue that the thylacine was to the dingo what the dire wolf was to the grey wolf. You exactly. know It's a mm-hmm. it's a bigger, more powerful animal, but it's slow and it's predominantly a carrion eater. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's likely that there is a viable population anywhere. All the evidence that I've seen, though tantalizing, has never convinced me. Like you guys, I put out, I remember you remember on our bear show, yeah. I was up there three or four weeks ahead of everybody just putting out camera traps and bringing them every three days because right. the bears rip them off the trees and put them back out. So we know what camera trap footage looks like. Yeah. So when I can see a tree and a wallaby incredibly clearly down to the finest follicle, and they go, that smudge is a thylacine, eh. I'm not buying it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm,
0: I'm with I, you there.
1: Yeah. I, all the new footage I'm calling bullshit, but Agreed. I hope that there's out there. Now, the idea of what they're calling the Moon Tiger up there in Cape York, that's an exciting thing as right. well, but I've spent a lot of time up there and never seen any evidence of it either. Um, but sort of the program that you were involved with, I know you got in touch with the team from... Um, Uh, from cooktown university correct they have got more camera traps out there than any other program i've ever seen Mm -hmm. so we'll see but and there's two sides
0: to that coin right bradley not to interrupt you but what spurred this massive you know and i'm not a conspiracy nut you know i don't believe in cryptids or anything else but (laughs) isn't it interesting that all of a sudden james cook university put in so much resources to put out this massive grid pattern of camera trapping, right? I'm not saying it's not important work, and I'm not saying that they're not going to get incredibly valuable data, but I do find it very interesting that there was this surge in curiosity that led to this massive amount of camera trapping.
1: Right, but I have some inside information, because I spoke to the head of the program. I ran ran into him in, in, in Malaysia, And I asked him what was going on. We spoke on the phone. Sure. And we both happened, truly by coincidence, to be in Kuala Lumpur at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the truth of it is this the aim of their program is not to find the moon tiger. Right. That is an ancillary aim. It's to document the collapse of small mammals in that ecosystem. That's
0: what they told us as well when we were there. Yeah. So
1: Mm. the number of traps for small mammals, that makes sense. You want to find a small anything, and obviously little giants, that's what we did a lot of we 've got camera traps up the wazoo constantly in order to just get a little bit of movement right and then, and then the next day we recalibrate all the cameras and hope to get a clean shot and then the third day we put out the traps and hope to capture one and film it mm-hmm. that's how we do it so when you say small mammals, you go camera traps you've got to have them exponentially large number of them right and, and they and they very cleverly use the moon tiger story in a couple of quote, eyewitnesses, close quote, right. to yeah. get interest and hopefully right. generate funding. So I don't think that was ever their aim. But I would say to you this, if there is a collapse in small mammals, does that tell you of an abundance of predators? I, don't th- I think no. it tells you that there are It's the exact opposite. In the same right. way that the mega, mega carnivores died off when the megafauna gone, so too these smaller predators disappear when the small prey go.
0: Exactly sure. right. No, exactly. It's, it's the opposite of what people would think. Um, let me ask you this, Bradley. The number one place on my bucket list. I, I've, I've planned three different expeditions there, all that have been canceled. One by which you may remember the uh, the largest cyclone that ever hit, which hit Cairns. Um, yeah. I was there when that happened and got it. I was oh, on the wow. last plane out. We lost our car and everything. But um, and, and the very next day before I got evacuated, I think it was three days prior to when we were supposed to go to Papua New Guinea. Have you mm-hmm. been? How was it? Um, you haven't been.
1: I have not been. I've come close. I went. Um, I've travelled up the islands that historically connected Australia with PNG. So yep. I've d- I've done that, but I haven't gone there. I've been. I'm actually looking to plan a trip there down the road. I really want to get close to some of these poison birds. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen them. You're the ones mm-hmm. that have mm-hmm. the uh, the same. Uh, toxin on their wings, yep. as you often see in, in various reptiles and stuff. I'm very excited about seeing the poison birds. Yep. Um, wow. I, I haven't. Um, again, like you, got friends who've been there. have planned it. Um, one of my my best friends in the uh, when I was in the, in the army, um, his brother was a photojournalist who was murdered there, and his body not recovered mm-hmm. um, by the group wow. that's called the Rascals, which sounds like a really Friendly Wes Anderson. <laughs> it does. Movies,
2: it sounds like they're a good time. A
1: comical movie yeah. Yeah. title. No, they're <laughs> uh, they're monsters. They're these roving gangs that, uh, in some cases, do carry bows and arrows and machetes. But now, for various reasons, are armed with um, you know Vietnam era military hardware. Yep. And uh, it's it's really sad. So one of yeah, the guys Homer. I went through the Royal Military College with, which is like your West Point, um, is called Belvin Nama, and he was a, he got into special forces in New Guinea. Very colorful history, look it up on Wikipedia, and now he's a, he's a minister in the government. Again, very colorful fellow. But he, he is someone that I've connected with because of our shared past, and for all my supposed uh, hard man adventuring and various qualifications, I would not go to Papua New Guinea unless I had the protection of an authority figure like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that put me, um, didn't put a target on my back. Is it's, that just, it's
0: very dangerous. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's you know, yeah. Bradley, I, it's something we've never talked about because I always talk about, you know, the fauna there and how exciting it is, biologically speaking. It is, yeah. uh, I I too know someone who was murdered there, you know, through someone else, but um, same sort of story. And, I mean, it's just the the amount of violence that takes place within the, you know, the gangs and the communities between each other is unbelievable. I mean, it's extremely dangerous place.
1: Oh, it is. And what you have to remember, and this is what makes it exciting both from a, a adventurous point of view and travel point of view as well as from a, a biological point of view, is that you remember back in the day we started coining the phrase islands and highlands as hotspots mm-hmm. for conservation? Of course. And, and Papua New Guinea was emblematic of that because the, the highlands are so high, right. they effectively become islands. Right. And so yeah. a, mount, a, a mountain is, is its own little island, its own little ecosystem of plants and animals. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's right at the top of my wish list too. But uh, as, a, as, a, as a husband and a father, um, you know, I, I did my time, you know, and yeah. now I have a general aversion to being shot at. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. so... Uh, Why do yeah, you live I'll, in L.A.
2: then, dude? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's all go to Montana. We can just be neighbors. It'll be great. We'll we each have our own ranch. Yeah, we'll man. have our own lake. Yeah,
3: let's
1: go. I, I, I'm, I'm buying into that. Anyway, I'm going to get there too. Whoever gets there first... Give the other guys some tips, 100%. because uh, because uh, I will go there. I'll share my contact with you, and uh, let's let's get there. But I, I want to do it safely, and uh, I've spent a lot of time not dying. I want to maintain that.
0: There you go, smart. And likewise, I, I would love I, I would love to a... go.
2: I think the two of you guys. I mean, Ritep and I will go. I'll help produce it. We'll film it. Not to Papua New two, Guinea, right? Let's. I think we all go.
0: No, I'm out. Uh, no. And look for a thylacine there. That's what, uh, that's what I was, that that was the that was the, uh, yeah. s- the circle back. But Ratev, you're only <laughs> coming as the human sacrifice, right? When the oh, rascals do on. capture Mitch, us, he, you're obviously yeah, the Michael guy that we hand Take over. Take Mitch, and
3: man. He survived
1: the fucking rhinoceros attack. <laughs> <laughs> he did. <laughs> BTG. I don't, I don't see. I don't see why we have to go to PNG to sacrifice that. I mean, we, don't we, we, we go to Montana. Listen, if we go to
3: Montana and we're just shooting at each other, I'll happily go, do the duel if you guys want. That's <laughs> we're going to be
2: so thrilled when we all sell our properties in LA and then realize
1: what we can get in Montana <laughs> right. that we're not yeah. going to yeah. even
2: need guns, man. No,
1: yeah. no. I gotta. I, I gotta tell you, it's not a sexy storyline though, and PNG is right on the edge of it. To me, the most Unexplored, unplumbed riches of the natural world are, in, are, in, are on the Wallace line. So separating Asia from Australasia. Yeah. I mean, that is the sexiest place on the planet, Wallaceia, And, you know, if we're the guys to do it, that's great. But someone's got to go there, spend some real time on the ground and not just the ground, in the trees, right. in the water, the Wallace line, Wallaceia. Yeah. Wallachia so, is the new Atlantis. That's what we got got. That's what the, we got go. to. I know of, nothing about uh, this. Insular Sorry, endemism
0: there is unbelievable. Like the amount of, of you know, you go 5 miles from one island to the next and it's completely different species. I mean it, it's it's just mind-blowing. Wait,
2: so wait, can you set yeah. this up a bit better for us cuz I've no, I've actually <laughs> never heard of this.
1: Well, it's kind of a it's kind of an archaic term because it's based on one of the, you know, imperial European explorers and but Basically, you have this Wallace line. So let me, let me phrase it another way. Sure. You know what Thrace is, right? You know that the bridge between Asia and Europe, which mm-hmm. ostensibly straddled by, by Turkey. Mm. Um, and you, could, you cross the Dardanelles and suddenly you're in Europe or in Asia or whatever. That is what the Wallace line is ecologically. So making the bridge, okay. logical bridge from Asia to Australasia, is the Wallace Line, and you have this extraordinary fusion of of the two different continents, and the two different regions, and all this stuff that doesn't exist in either. Right. So it's this embarrassment of riches. No um, shit. It's like it's like a it's like a diamond mine and a gold mine in the one place. and <laughs> and, and, and That's the a reason no one it. goes there is there are very few amenities. It's largely lawless. And it's very difficult to get from one place to another. The resources are poor. Yep. That's exactly where people like us should be going. Agreed. It's interesting Agreed. to hear
3: like things like that as a guy who lives in L.A. like People don't realize how difficult it is to get around places and logistically do things that you guys do. That's, that's just super interesting. So
0: I, I looked at doing an expedition through there, and, and the easiest r- way to get there, and Bradley, tell me if you found something different, is to get to Raja Ampat in Indonesia and then take a boat from there basically south, weaving through all the islands and et cetera, et cetera. And even that, I mean, to get to Raja Ampat, just just to get there. This is before you get a boat that's capable right. of you living on it for a month and traveling without any any contact or resources is like 70 hours. Right, you fly right. like four different flights, then you get on a boat, then you get to Raha Ampat, where you then charter another boat that comes from likely Australia to jo- It's just like it's a nightmare. <laughs>
1: it's <just> a <laughs> well, nightmare. this
2: sounds awesome. By the way, we're definitely <laughs> yes. doing this, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, it's, and you and you and you got to go heavy yeah. because you're you're in one of the most pirate. Infested waters on the planet,
0: the uh, most I think. Yeah, that's why we need a guy who used to be
2: in the Tasmanian Special Forces to organize a crew of stout gentlemen and females. <laughs> a guy
1: who handy cut with his steel, bro. Off and met his wife. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying, it's it's not a small undertaking. You want at least three boats to have backup to backup to backup. Yeah. And you got to have an arm component, and it's look, it's look, we do that in Alaska all the time. you've been there, Patrick. You know yeah. I, I never look I, I choose personally not to carry a gun, but that's for practical reasons. While I'm making notes and taking photos, i'm as I'm as likely to shoot one of my nuts off as I am to <laughs> actually. To, you know, <laughs> slow down a, a two right. thousand pound boar because I'm just right. you know. So I I have a a Klingit brother who also happens to be a former airborne U S Army sniper. Right. I'm covered. I'm good. So I will do it in the context of protecting myself from dangerous wildlife. Obviously, it would be devastating to me if we actually had to shoot a bear. Of that would consider I would consider that a massive personal and professional failing. Yeah. But now we're talking about defending yourself from lawless people, and however modest our budget is. Because let's be honest, wildlife television is the bottom of the barrel in terms of budgets on That's mainstream sure. American television. <laughs> yep. We are effectively billionaires compared to the Everyone people that are living there. out there. Mm-hmm. So we've got a big target. So you really have to- interesting. Share yeah. the wealth, build the relationship, and, and get that cultural protection as well uh, as arming yourself. So it's, it's not a small undertaking. No, Someone's got to go years. in there early and build those relationships. And mm. I choose Peter. <laughs> yeah,
2: I choose Peter. <laughs> Listen, I think that's smart, man. Yeah. He's, he's, he's charming. All, Look at those blue eyes. eyes.
3: Yeah, they'll love that, and they'll love my my crash Chicago uh,
1: accent and sw- constant swearing. They'll love all that. As long, yeah. as, you, as long as you just don't crap on about Chicago pizzas, you'll probably do okay. <laughs> <Yeah. 'Cause laughs> what the fuck is that? I I, 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 re- I remember when I was in uh, an Angoon. I think I told you this, Deluca. Yeah. When I was in Angoon, the first season I was there, no one spoke to me. Hmm. No one spoke to me. Right. It wasn't until the second season. And I found out about my military background and there are, very, there are people who believe that every young man and woman should serve in the military. Right. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I got that cultural respect and we had the conversation. But by the time you went there, we'd been there for four or five years, and that relationship, I was adopted into the Deshitan clan, we had access, that's the kind of thing you have to do. Mm-hmm. Except here, the danger stakes are not giant bears, they're pirates with assault rifles fucking fantastic which scares me
0: much more i mean i would much rather deal with the wildlife it's predictable you know versus the uh the people well for i mean
2: so bradley i don't know if you how how many episodes of extinct or alive you've watched uh i assume all of them otherwise fuck off yeah thank you (laughs) uh but so there was season two Forrest had an idea that he really wanted to go to this particular part of the amazon to look for uh a, ca- a particular Cayman. Rio Jesus. Apoboros Cayman. Yeah, yeah, the Rio Apoboros okay. Cayman. Mm-hmm. And so we started researching it, and, and Stephen, the rock rock male, who's our line producer who handles getting people in and out of places, uh, he's fucking great. He wears yes. Hawaiian shirts every day. Uh, <laughs> he immediately keyed in on the fact that the most of the w- groups of Westerners that had recently been in there uh, had been kidnapped and held for ransom. And yeah. so... You know, I tell Forrest, this is the situation, and, you know, it, then over the course of six to eight months, this is what we did. We started making contacts with people, uh, mm-hmm. meeting locals who would then go in, and, you know, our dollar goes a long way in these in these areas, but we had to ultimately make the call to not send a full crew, right? It was right. just going to be Forrest and two other guys, um, and they went in, and they were able to get the access, and... and most of that was by being all of the things that happened in advance, playing nice yeah. with
0: the people that the FARC could, rebels could kill. It you. was FARC yeah. rebel controlled. The whole part of that jungle was controlled by cocaine and the FARC rebels, and they couldn't have been nicer. You know, they it took a little coaxing, but they couldn't have been nicer people to deal with. At the end of the day,
2: mm. yeah. Mm. Shit, I, I think we gotta go. We gotta yeah. go, guys. That's something. Oh, so, so Bradley, I know you you mentioned being you know father and a husband now. Let's say that. We were able to organize some sort of expedition there. It was there was some contacts made. You felt good about uh, the local contacts. Is that something you would still do to go to this place? Yeah, to go to the he would. Lands? I
0: know what Bradley's like. He would. I, I don't am, care how I much am. he nods his head. He'd go. <laughs> I know the type because I I am the I type.
1: Am a, I'm on that plane. <laughs> I'm on that plane. Yeah. I I I don't I don't. I don't want to go. I have to go. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's a it's it's a compulsion. It's a no. That is you. Know, we all of us have our wish lists and and certain things and I think we want to see before we die. And we yeah. we're lucky enough to have, have, have been to and seen many of them. And uh, there's only a couple that really stand out for me and. Uh, one of the animals I, I want to see that I've never seen is not actually that rare. It's a ribbon seal, you know, mm-hmm. and I spent a lot of time in the Bering Sea. and I've never seen one. Mm-hmm. I really want to see one. And yeah. the other is Wallachia, the Wallace line. The Wallace yeah. line calls me day and night. So, Interesting. yeah, if we, can, if, if, we can, if we can reduce some of the liabilities to an acceptable degree, my yeah. wife knows who she married. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well... Bradley, this has been unbelievably awesome having you on here. It's so nice to hear your stories and your perspective. Um, let's talk about something pretty exciting going on, something that is sweeping the nation of Australia, your film.
1: And the US, Yes, baby. thank you.
0: Yes. Yeah, and was, the US, of
1: course, of course, yes. Thank you for that, that truly natural sounding segue. And I just want to, it's just, you know what? Thank you. And each of us, you know, in the entertainment industry, to whatever degree that we participate, um, appreciates how hard it is to make anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is. And yeah. if you're at home watching this Absolutely. or listening to this and, and you have a dream of creating a book or, or a, a radio show or a podcast or a TV show or a movie, just stick at it. Cause you just got to do that. And, uh, yeah, I'm very lucky. Uh, when I left the military, I was young enough to start another career. I had a successful career in publishing. I still do, but only when I came here to Los Angeles. And again, against my will, I just fell in love. And this is where my woman of my dreams happened to be. So I stayed here. Um, realized that there was this, all these opportunities, and I decided to fall in love with the things that could only happen here. Sure. Um, here's a strange with Did you know how I got onto late night television? How that happened? No idea. This is so. You suck Jay Leno's dick. That was later. Uh
2: <laughs> that was after dude. <laughs> Come
1: on. What's... Uh, so what actually happened was, um, how do I even get into this? It was a strange... I wasn't looking for any of this. Okay, I was write my books and do my wildlife stuff and I was, I was fine with that. Yep. And, and then uh, Chelsea Handler had the most successful show on E! which was the Chelsea Lately show. Yeah. Yeah. And she had a number of wildlife experts on, some of whom we know. Uh, let's describe the most colorful characters. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and she was dating a hunky uh, guy that was on a show, and they broke up. And, uh, and so she said, Let's. And so the producer said, Look, we're moving to the uh, Tonight Show stage, because Conan O'Brien just lost the Tonight Show, had this beautiful new stage built at, uh, at Universal down there. And they said, Let's get someone more credible and more experienced. And, uh, and, and so they, they called Betty White. And I need Betty White through conservation circles because this is LA. That's how stuff happens. How yeah, stupid that it is that? Is fucking crazy, by the yeah. way. Yeah, that's Betty White. Betty White calls LA Zoo, and Mike D, rest in peace. Uh, that's, I don't know if you can see it. It's a snake hook back there. He bequeathed me when he passed away. But he's like, wow. uh, and he's like, uh, he's like, oh, BTG's in town. Get him. So that was my interview. So now, guy with no intention to be on television goes over there, and they tell me this story, and here's what they basically said. They basically said, we want someone with more experience who has great information, who Chelsea Handler doesn't want to fuck.
2: And
1: I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I'm like, thank, thank you? Um, anyway, uh, but one thing led to another, and I realized these opportunities existed. So I started looking for ways to bring my books into it. So I wrote a book called Penguin Bloom. It's about my 20, uh, it's 27th, 28th book. It's a beautiful true story about a family in Australia who suffered a terrible tragedy when a wife and mother... Uh, fell from a two-story building while on holiday in Thailand and shattered her spine, exploded both of her lungs, crushed her skull and her brain, and should have died and miraculously didn't but ended up paralyzed from the chest down, which is called a KL-1, and um, only use of her arms and, and neck and head. So it was just this terrible story, and she sunk into a deep depression, and then just when she just constantly saw the suicide, I don't mean like occasionally, I mean literally every other day she was planning how and when was the appropriate time to kill herself so that it wasn't so soon that it damaged her children but not so late that her husband wow. didn't have a chance of finding the wife again. I mean, that's how... Jeez,
0: that's heavy. That yeah, was, yeah,
1: That's how far she had fallen emotionally. Yeah. And then she ended up, one of her sons uh, rescued a magpie chick that had fallen out of its nest and injured itself and had it brought it home. And this woman used to be a neurosurgical nurse. And that instant kicked in, and she started caring for the bird, and caring for the bird, she discovered her sense of self again, and ended up going on to do some quite wonderful things, including uh, she was a champion kayaker, and now she's the current two-time adaptive world surfing champion. Wow. Um, anyway, the book, I have the American edition here. It's called Penguin the Magpie in America, as opposed okay. to Penguin Bloom. But the movie's called Penguin Bloom, and, you know, six years I spent writing. That book, and then the sequel, which is Sam Bloom, uh, Heartache, and Birdsong, and then turning into a movie. We're very lucky. When we set out, we're very focused on getting the right people. And I said, Naomi Watts is the only actress I want to play Sam because she has that physicality. And Sam was a great athlete. And, And Naomi Watts is a great athlete and a great emotional athlete. And when she signed on, um, it all came together. Reese Witherspoon, a whole bunch of people produced it. Wow. wow. Glenn and Ivan directed it. And uh, it's the number one movie in Australia right now. And yeah. it's now... On Netflix in 130 countries, and Thatta in fact, boy. we sold every single territory. So by the end of this year, wow. every country in the world will have Penguin Bloom. Naomi's getting some Oscar love already, so Holy I just shit, feel man. really lucky. I'm Holy really, really, shit. really, really lucky. I mean,
0: is there anything you can't do? Seriously, is there anything you cannot do? Like, give me something I, I, that you can't do. I,
1: he can't, I don't think he I, could can't go, I could not go on Dancing on the Stars without killing somebody. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'd yeah, love to see you not, on Dancing with
2: the Stars,
3: he's,
1: you, For us, He's also a real
2: chump in the sack. I yeah, mean, <laughs> no. how do you
1: know? <laughs> I've watched. But no, dude, yeah. I, so Bradley, I mean, since I
2: met you, you know, you had already written the book, but, you know, the, the, the movie process was happening, and it takes so goddamn long, so many years, but the reality is, more people will see this movie on Netflix and, under, and learn the story that way, uh, probably yeah. than
1: have read the book. Obviously, it's oh, done, the God, book's yes. done well. As I mean, well. I wish... I wish it wasn't so because I make a lot more money off the book, but yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, you're right. And, and, that's, and, the be- and the thing about the book, if you get a chance to read, it's a very beautiful, poetic, uh, but also hard-hitting. Um, yeah. We made the decision very early on to honor Sam and not to allow anyone to sugarcoat the nature of her injuries and disabilities to make able-bodied readers feel comfortable. And, I, sure. and that goes back to experience I had when I was uh, a soldier. And one of our elite soldiers uh, snapped his neck getting out of the aircraft. The aircraft tilted. His static line hooked around his neck, and he Oof. broke his neck as he exited the aircraft. Wow. And he's a, wow. a, a he's a, a tetraplegic, a quadriplegic. And I was a brand new lieutenant at the time, and I would be required as duty officer to visit him when I was uh, on duty. <laughs> Excuse me. And he was in the same hospital but Sam Bloom, the subject of my books no and shit. movie. Yeah, was in mm. 13 years later. Mm. Wow. And uh, and he didn't want to talk to me some rookie officer he didn't know and and uh, it was a difficult time and he came back to the regiment for a very special military parade we have on April 24th which is called Capyong Day it's the anniversary of of Capyong uh, mm-hmm. during the Korean War in uh, in 1951 and um he all his met friends were there and very few of them wanted to speak with him because they didn't know what to say yeah. and they are embarrassed but also because he would become a symbol uh, a physical symbol of the fears that haunted them that it could have been them you know and it could, wow. have, it could have been any any yeah. of us yeah. and I remember thinking you know we've got to find a way to talk about these injuries because half a million young men particularly and women every year will suffer a spinal cord injury and so wow. one of the things I'm proud of is that we've donated money from the books and the film goes into the leading spinal cord injury researchers in every in every country that we are published. And oh, that, that includes cool. the US, we're with the Christopher and Donna Reeve Foundation. And I mean, think about it. It's just nerves that have to be somehow reattached, but we haven't worked it out because the spinal right. cord has right. an insulating material to prevent, mm-hmm. for want of a better term, nerve signal leakage, right. and so it's almost self-sealing. But we have got the talent to solve this, and I'm glad that Penguin Bloom not only is it a beautiful, uplifting story, and a tearjerker, it will need a few tissues. There'll be a lot of ugly man crying. I'm not yeah. ashamed of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful story, and it's, it's hopefully making a difference, and I'm very proud of it. That's awesome, Great. dude. Congratulations. Yeah. What, Congratulations. A, what a shitload of Thanks, work though. went
2: into something theoretically as simple as something that you click on yeah. and distract yourself from negative news for two hours. Um, but when millions of people do that, what a beautiful thing.
0: That's that's amazing. I mean, and and to have such an impactful message behind it and the, the, you know, the kind of research that it's donating towards. It's amazing, man. Congratulations, Bradley. That's really, that's phenomenal. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm not just saying that. Uh, Oh, yeah.
2: Christina and I are going to watch it tonight. So from Bradley's very touching uh, story, and I don't mean that in, in any jokey way, Bradley. Let me segue to something purely fucking ridiculous that we like to do on this podcast. Oh, yes, of course. Can <laughs> of I get a course. drum roll for us? <laughs> I almost
0: forgot. I get... It's time. Battle Royale. Oh,
2: so this yeah. is the Battle Royale. It's our Brosner's favorite segment. Bradley, we're going to have you in on this. We would never, Good. never not have you in. It you only takes probably three and, lose... and a half hours. Are you down? <laughs> <laughs> I got. I've, I've still got a third to go. I'm good.
1: All right. Yeah. Cheers. By go. the way,
2: what's everyone drinking tonight? Chardonnay for Papa P. What do you guys have? Yeah, Rolling Rock for. Uh, there you go. Classy. Uh, Lagavulin. Wow. When
0: beautiful. you make
2: Netflix movies, you drink strange exotic Scotch.
0: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> I'm drinking drink African water, aka gin and tonic, as I as I
1: usually nice. do that's cool.
0: i like that
2: right. okay. so bradley here here's what we do every week we do this the brosners love it they then vote on itunes or the youtube and let us know who wins so
1: okay oh i like this i'm going to throw it's out really a
2: scenario mm-hmm. and what we're going to do is have a, a little draft as bradley smokes his corn cob pipe for those only listening yep. and not watching
1: <laughs> which is the vast majority of you
2: uh so here's the scenario you have to build... We're going classic because we have a special okay. guest, a good friend, sure. Sure, an old friend. Sense. I want to go Make classic. Fun. We're Make fighting. Sense. We are Standard fighting. Band. Thank God. Yeah. Got it. All right. Episodes. Game of Thrones style. Each of us are going to build a battalion.
1: Oh, you battalion. Get, okay. You get 50,
2: 50 each of these animals. 50. Okay. And it's going to be... We're just in four corners, an all-out
0: battle. Oh, my God. And it's three, it's three picks, Correct. Three picks, snake draft. You have to pick yep. okay. one mammal, okay. okay. one
2: reptile, and one bird. Okay? Think about okay. it. Do you want to pick a bird that's got big talons but can't fly, or do you want to just pick a bird that can fly? I don't know. They have to be sure. extant. Sure. You can't pick a host eagle, Bradley. I know you were going to do that. I <laughs> was going to go with a host eagle. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they have to be extant. One mammal, one reptile, one bird. You get 50 of each. <laughs> okay. And we're going to fight till death. Yep. Okay? Yeah, I like that. Last man like standing. That. Last man yep. standing. I don't want to put Bradley on the spot since it's his first time. I'm
0: going to put Forrest on the spot.
2: Yeah, break, break
0: me in. Break you get, me in you get the first pick. Yeah, I'll play along. I'll play along. Okay. So we've got 50 of each. What I want, yep. God, I gotta, I gotta take something off the table here. That's the that's yeah, smart play. That's the thing. Yeah. You gotta take shit off the table in this game. Yeah, Bradley. I gotta take something off the table. So here's what I'm gonna do.
1: Fifty. Well, hang on, hang on. Can I ask a question first? Yes, of, of course. course. What is the terrain upon which we're fighting? Good question. It is a. Good
2: it question. is a. It's a, basically, you know, what a football field looks like. I do. Imagine four of those together. So it's a dome. Obviously, people are watching. They've paid good money for this. <laughs> flat. Oh, it's, it's, it's a pay-per-view situation. It's I controlled. Get it's a yeah. controlled okay. environment, it sounds it's like. It's controlled environment. God. Flat, even terrain. Grassy. Yeah. Grassy, uh-huh. as Forrest would say. So, yeah. No no mountains, <laughs> no ice, no snow. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. I'm degrees, on the spot. I'm going to lead.
0: I'm going to take mm-hmm. something that I think is kind of obvious off the table early. Give give myself a little leg up. Um mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about this many times on air. My opinion, there is one mammal that reigns supreme over all other mammals when it comes to fighting abilities. Not necessarily size, not necessarily strength, not necessarily speed. But I'm going to go lowland gorillas straight off the table, 50 of them on my team right out of the gate. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's smart.
2: Mm. They're going to lead the charge, aren't they? You
0: son of a bitch. I mean, just just tell me that. Yeah, come on. Come on. So, yeah. here's the
2: thing. I quit. Can I can I give up and take my animals and go start a private preserve because I'm scared <laughs> of that. I don't want 50 of those.
1: <laughs> yeah, and which 50 which, of them. which level are you going with, eastern or
0: western? Well, the eastern are slightly bigger, I believe. They, uh, but they however, they have, they have an bigger. easier uh, uh they ha- they have a Less harsh temperament is my understanding, so it's kind of a trade-off. But um, we'll go with eastern Eastern lowland gorillas.
1: Okay. All
0: right. Now I have to
1: combat that. that. Big, big aggressive, and the smallest penises relative to size of any primate.
0: (laughs) Well, I try and pick things that are similar, you know, like so that we can (laughs) understand each other. All right. Ritep, since you don't
2: understand snake drafts, you can't be on the end, so why don't you go (laughs) next? That's fine. Uh, Also, you didn't mention it was a snake draft at the beginning.
3: My uh my first pick is and this is big in the news right now a uh, army general in the US just came out and said that the future is going to be devastated by swarms of drones and it's going to be uh devastating so I will have a uh a bird that flies obviously and it will be uh it will be the golden eagle 50 golden eagles
0: Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Any yeah. thoughts going a on? lot of
0: power early. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I that's, mean, that's 50 so eagles. You know, oh, by the way,
2: Bradley, it's assumed that these are all trained
1: to do your bidding. Right. Sure, they yeah. attack. Right, they right, attack. Right. That, that's, a, that's a very good call. I mean, you're looking at, what, a talent crushing power then of, of, of up to, what is it, like 400 PSI? That's, that's pretty something impressive.
0: insane. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah I mean, there's no, there is no better skyborne predator than the golden eagle.
1: Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: By the way, I'm
2: very similar to Johnny Inches on this podcast, Bradley. I look up Bite Force PSI constantly, so I love that (laughs) your head just went there. Uh, All right, Bradley, your next third pick. So Forrest has the gorilla. He's got some eagles. You need a mammal, a bird, and a reptile. What do you got?
1: Uh, I'm going to take a different direction. I'm going to, with a bird, I respect the airborne... Uh, assault, but there's a certain level of, of, of uh, amateur that that doesn't matter to. And I'm going to go with that for my bird. I'm going to take the uh, the southern double waddled cassowary. Ah, it's That's oh, a good pick. It's the most it's a good dangerous pick. bird in the world. It's it is the only bird. It's the only bird with a real body count. Um, <laughs> I'm the governor of, of Taronga Zoo uh, in Australia, and uh, we've only had two fatalities in the history, of the 105 years of at the zoo. One was a big cat. One was a cassowary. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a soldier, we would wow. do jungle warfare training uh, at a school in Tully, which is the wettest place in Australia. And even though it was only an exercise, we would carry all these blank ammunition. And then we would have one magazine of live rounds, not for the crocodiles. Wow. For the cas- for the cassowaries. Sorry. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good pick. Right. Uh, so I, 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 like, I feel like that's... A really impressive ground game, and, yeah, and I'm specifically is. getting females, which are bigger and more aggressive, so its it, I think we're in for a good time.
0: Yeah. Wow. Sure. Jeez.
1: So okay. I'm i am scared at this point. <laughs> you right. should be. I'm on the end here, so I
2: get two picks. So, yeah, I'm i am pretty fucking scared, because I see those gorillas. I see 50 cassowaries. That's 100 cassowary feet that are coming at
0: me. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Good math. And probably
2: up to 200 feathers i'm sure they have at least two each so uh (laughs) so i'm gonna go with just pure size and the way that i'm going to train this animal is that it's also going to use noise to its advantage to distract and confuse your feeble-minded cassowaries bradley because i mostly just want to beat you so (laughs) i'm gonna go with 50 african elephants um, oh, uh, interesting call. Interesting. When, yeah, a good once pick. they yeah. start stampeding, the sound of the rumble alone is going to confuse your animals. They're going to think it's an earthquake. Uh, they're just going to be mortified. Good. They have yeah. tusks. They can swing the... Look at that. You, you can't. Yeah. You're fucked. All right, so I've already won with that pick. Um, so <laughs> my next pick, this is the confusing one, which is... The reptile, because I'm trying to think of a reptile that can move quickly. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm going to do instead of having them move quickly. I'm going to take 50 of my next choice, which is my reptile, and I'm going to have them fan out around me and just protect me. So they're not on the offensive. The elephants are doing some of that. Okay. Niall Croc. Wow. Okay. Niall Crocs. How are you going to penetrate my circle of mouth-facing out Niall Crocs? Oh, uh, you somehow got through? Watch out for the tail.
0: The I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how when it's my pick.
2: Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. So I've got African elephants and 50 of those watching over Papa Pete.
0: You've got to round out the savannah. Your third pick has to be from Southern Africa. There is no other option at this point. Yeah. Wait,
2: wait for my bird. All right.
3: So, yeah. Peter, you're up.
0: What do you want to okay. add to, what would you pick,
3: octopus? By the way, no, sorry about that. I I could not hold it anymore. I had to take a Papa P. Pee pee, so, right. uh, sorry about you that. Want to I add? apologize. I heard everything. I'm up to snuff, and um, oh man, I got a good one for you. I'm taking another reptile off the uh, off the table here because this is obviously the hardest one to pick after Papa P takes crocodile off.
2: The oh, table. Wait, sorry, I fucked up. Bradley's up. Oh, that's my fault. Yeah, that's what that's I my thought. Fault.
3: I was like, wait a yeah,
0: minute. I, oh my god. No. So, god, you yeah.
1: fuck up the so snake just, draft. So I just take one. I, I don't. I don't choose more. I just choose right. like o- only now, the people a, a on the or, Take one. Yeah. You listen, get one more Bradley, pick these the guys
3: back. are fucking real smug about the way a snake draft works. <laughs> I fuck it up every time, and I constantly get shit on about it. Just yeah.
1: whatever they say. Sorry, they can one crack, pick Bradley. <laughs> you already have your bird. You have fifty cassowaries. <laughs> okay, you got now, a reptile and a mammal. I have. I have a strategy that I'll reveal at the end. Smart. Um, <laughs> Good. So I'm just gonna. But you won't. You won't see it now. But you will see it soon, and you'll regret it. And <laughs> Love this. So like I have. I, I already have the most dangerous bird in the world. You yep. do. I'm now. I'm now going to take the most aggressive snake in the world. Uh-oh. and, and, mm. and, and take my tech. Uh, that's the Eastern Taipan. And Mother. it just... And I love these guys because, first of all, the venom is not quite as deadly as the inland Taipan or the Fierce Snake, but it's so close it doesn't matter. We're talking an LD50 at over 3 million, so... Welcome to the NFL of snakes. I had one but
0: slither <laughs> over my neck, Bradley. True story. <laughs> that's not, that's <laughs> not good. I hated that. I,
1: I, I remember doing an operation in the northern, in the, in northern Queensland, and we had to uh, clean our gear at a, at a trailer park. Mm-hmm. And they took all our weapons off us, my handgun, my assault rifle, my knives, everything, grenades, gone. When it got showered, come out of the shower, and there's this eastern Taipan coming through these trailers and this idiot picks up a cavity brick and throws it at it, oh. which it just ducks, and then attacks us, and we're screaming, Jesus. like little girls, because yeah. Yeah, what are you gonna do, take out my towel and, and flick it with my phallus on my towel? I don't know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> uh, I, I, I didn't have 14 and a half inches of chameleon dong. <laughs> uh, Not quite. It was, a, it, was, it was a desperate time. I'm taking Eastern Taipan because it's hyper aggressive, mm. and it will attack everything again and again, and everything it attacks, will be dead before the end of the pay-per-view. Smart. Okay. Oh, by true. the way, it that's will also pick.
2: blend in nicely with the... Because I, what I forgot to mention was that we're playing in Green Bay, and so the turf is sort of that... The the grass is that color. So that's okay. smart. No, that bright green, nice. You got lucky. <laughs> okay. uh, all right, Peter, you're up. Peter, You've had some time up. to think.
3: Okay, um, so I, I'm debating between two different reptiles. Uh, luckily, Bradley didn't pick mine, but he made a very... Uh, Solid strategic decision On going with a highly aggressive Venomous snake And I'm wondering if uh, Okay all right, I'm going to go with my original pick And I'm going with a uh, reticulated python They get up to (laughs) 350 pounds They uh, They might not be venomous However they are large And there will be 50 of them swarming Every other animal on the ground While dealing with my golden eagles So far we That's understand
0: good. that you googled snake and saw a Python. No, picture no, I and was think gonna pick. I was scary. gonna we pick a
3: Python, it. but uh, no matter what, I just didn't know the specific kind. Well, okay. and then when he said that, I was gonna pick something else, but I was like, no, I'm sticking with the original.
2: Okay. Uh, uh, okay.
3: Uh, uh.
0: Forest, you're up for 2 for two. only got two more, sir. Well, and it's tough. You know, it's tough. There's there's obvious picks. There's Komodo dragons out there that you think are are tough. They're not. You know, there's there's Bad picks like picking a python in a fight. I mean that's just a bad idea. <laughs> it's a banana <sighs> the, to a knife
1: the, fight, really. It's yeah, just...
0: the best eagle's been taken off the table. It's it's getting down to the wire here. So <laughs> here's what I'm gonna do. Okay. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna approach with bird first. Now the you know, you could go, oh, I want a harpy eagle or something like that, but you've already got the golden eagle, Peter. So you're okay. that's locked yep. up in the yep. big scary bird assault. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go for speed. You know, I'm gonna take the peregrine mm, falcon. It's smart. not the biggest. Ooh. It's not the meanest, but you better believe it's the fastest. And if it's coming mm-hmm. at you, that's like a bullet with talons, right? So I'm going to go peregrine. And
2: by the way, they're doing whatever you ask them to do because you're right. telepathically communicating. So that's smart, man. Yeah. Boom. Oh, that's, wow. It's a speed
0: that play. Looks, I like that. It's a speed I like play. That. I think I can take out all of Peter's golden eagles with my peregrine falcons based on speed alone. Sure. Um, well, I mean. There will still be problems. There will still be problems. Especially when you're yeah, dealing yeah, with Peter the laws, other two so
3: people's good. birds as well. Uh, right. So, but anyways.
0: Well, hey. You know, let's see what happens here. Yeah, we'll see. Now, mm. my final pick, and this is one that you're not gonna expect it. You're not gonna expect it. No. You're thinking taipan. You're thinking black mamba. You, you know, you're thinking crocodile. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> for a snake. No, 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 no. I'm going for a snake that's subtle in its damage, right? Yeah. The African mall snake, also known as the stiletto ah, snake, has the fangs that stick out either side of their mouth, right? Now, when a taipan bites you, it's great. You know, it comes up, it bites you. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, Don't get great. me wrong. It's great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's got one direction, though. This is the hammerhead of the snake world, right? The stiletto snake can just roll through there, there just going is. left and right, fangs on either side. Super aggressive. By the way, tiny, tiny little snake. It's about this big. Mm. Tiny, tiny little thing. You're never going to see it. You're never, it's just going to be roaming around in the one-inch grass. You're not even going to know it's there. Before you know it, everybody's limbs are going to be rotting off. The cassowary, forget <laughs> about it. He's got one leg. You know, Patrick's elephants, they're dead. They don't, they don't even know what's happening to them. And okay. these tiny little stiletto snakes with their funny little fangs are just killing everybody on the ground. Eh, my so so you're, the you're,
3: eagles will be you're, destroying you're, you're,
1: those snakes. So, They'll all be so eaten you're wagering, within 10 minutes. You're wagering on necrosis? To win this? You're, you're, you're it's a, it's I love a slow how he play. It. I love how play. he said subtle. It's like, no, this I mean, is an all-out battle. <laughs> how long is this event? I'm figuring like two hours, Max. Well, what I'm hoping <laughs> is that dead, they're, dead, all, they're
0: all dying. They're in crippling pain, lying on the ground, dying. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to drop dead like they will from the Taipan bite. Sure. But sure. when my stiletto snake comes over and just... In the side of your elephant foot, then my lowland gorilla just starts hammer fisting your chest. It's all yeah. over for you. You're you done. Know, You're the, done. It's like getting it, kicked in the ball. It balls.
1: sounds exciting, but I gotta tell you, in terms of venom, it's just I mean, there's the taipan, and then there's a condom with a face drawn on it, which is what <laughs> you've chosen. <laughs> <laughs> he truly understands the
2: spirit of the battle royale. He does. Yeah, he really does, does. does. All yeah, right, this Peter, is this is why good. don't you add to your already dead? crew of 100 animals. What do you have? <laughs> yeah, right. My
3: golden eagles and my mm. fucking pythons will be Eww. destroying Slowly. everybody. Very slow. Uh, and yeah. even if they're not, their 350-pound bodies that are all over the field will be tripping and distracting the cassowaries and everybody else who's running around out there. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to add? You have a
2: mammal them. left. Yeah, I know. What you want to pick left? a lemur? Uh, no.
3: I'm not going to pick a lemur. Fucking idiot. <laughs> um, right. what, about an, what about an oven mitt? <laughs> I'm going... <laughs> I'm going... With a polar bear, fifty oh. polar bears, twelve hundred pounds, fucking vicious, and let yeah. me tell you, all they need is two hours to fuck up every last one of you motherfuckers. That's, That's good. Right. Yeah. That's, That's
1: right. That's right. I respect. I respect that, except for one thing. <laughs> What's that? This is an indoor event. It's it, the conditions are mild. Two hours. They've got. They have that level of fat. I give them 15 minutes. Tops. And sweating and overheating. Are, they are. They are they this is are why I don't gasping. want to have
3: biologists on the goddamn they'll, they'll, podcast. I've <laughs> said it before.
0: Do you
1: remember they're the, napping do you remember? in
0: the corner while everybody else is at battle. <laughs> you remember, yeah, you remember
1: Philip Seymour Hoffman masturbating in boogie nights? Yeah,
0: of course.
1: <laughs> That's your polar bears after 15 minutes. They're just gossiping and sweating. It doesn't yes. matter. Everybody will be dead in 10 Calm I him. like
2: how Bradley also, he really gets it because he's already just made up that it's an indoor event now, uh, which yeah. was not previously stipulated, but it's an indoor well, event. you did say a dome. I mean, but okay. that is how because this you works. On, so you just kind yeah. of decide how to hey, in your own roll. head. Yes.
1: <laughs> That's right. It's a yep. roller derby. Yep. All right. So, Bradley, <laughs> what are you going to add
2: to your team, your
1: crew? Oh, man. It, look, there's some great choices out there and some incredibly <laughs> stupid ones, but <laughs> I. <laughs> I I here's here here's my strategy. And I and I look at you, DeLuca, yep. as, as kind of like a guidepost of what not to do. You've mm-hmm. picked, Yeah, you don't want to be a male model, you know. <laughs> right. No, well a hand model anyway. And I and I just you know, I, I I just like why are you always choosing second best you know you go for the Nile crocodile which is smaller and less aggressive than the Uh-oh. than the indo-pacific estuarine crocodile you know sure, you sure. and then you pick the African elephant which looks great and it's classically you it's a sock down the pants it impresses the girls but this <laughs> yeah, but no. when it comes to when it comes to fighting it's 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 more about it's not about size it's about aggression okay I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick 50 male Asian elephants wow. in must. Wow. I'll tell you why. All right. They're, they're, they're faster in a smaller area than an African elephant, and even a female Asian elephant has 10 times the testosterone levels of an African male elephant. Is wow. Is that true? Have, I didn't know that. That's it fascinating. Is, it is true, and wow. that's why they're incredibly ornery. They're very they aggressive, are. and here is, now my strategy is revealed. Mm -hmm. By having the quick, aggressive, and incredibly venomous snakes on the ground moving Mm -hmm. around Mm is going to scatter people. The cassowaries are basically just berserkers with knives on their feet (laughs) going to scatter (laughs) people. Sure. And nothing pisses off. A male Asian elephant in must more than intrusion and movement, <laughs> and they're just going to be running around crushing heads. That, that no, logic is flawless. It's, such a it's, good flawless. it's very,
0: yeah, very that good. That logic is flawless. I mean, I'm <laughs> fucked. I'm supposed to be the resident smart biologist on this show. Can you leave, please? You're no, killing my kids. Bradley,
2: Bradley, that's, that's very well done. I've
0: still got a third. He's yeah, the only now, person I've ever battle royaled against
3: that I would say could come in second, possibly against oh me. God. <laughs> oh, three God. Others. And here's
2: the thing, Bradley you, you have come in second, and that's great for a first timer, but <laughs> Thank not you. first. Because I <laughs> okay. don't think your elephants are going to do that well when they can't see anything. Um, oh. And so, what I'm going to do for my last pick is draft my bird. Which will be trained exclusively to peck out the eyes of all of your mammals. Uh, so what I'm going to do is pick my new favorite bird because I've been doing a lot of research on this bird. the great horned owl: um, You're obsessed with owls.: at I'm, I'm really on an owl kick right now. So the great horned owl.: You're picking the a big slow owl. I'm sorry, go ahead. slow. Okay, it knocks so the, fucking beavers so out of the tree or whatever porcupines. Beavers. It is <laughs> the largest owl beavers? in North America with a wingspan of five feet. It it's eats porcupines. It knocks <laughs> porcupines out of trees and eats that's not them. Top.
1: That's not hard. That's impressive. That's it. that's impressive. <laughs> Contend
2: no. with that beak. It makes a scary hissing sound. You don't want to be around when that happens. You'll get scared. Um, so as no. my owls peck no. out each of your mammals' eyes, my crocodiles protect me, and my elephants do the rest. So, no, not against BTG's fucking elephants. I, you
3: have sure to so, so, root yeah.
1: for someone Af- else. The yeah, what African are you rooting for, the, someone else? The, the, this, I, it's okay. I have that kind of charisma with my cologne. It's true, but it's, <laughs> it it's, 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 it's true. The problem you have with African elephants, and don't get me wrong, they are gods. Yeah, they but. Are. Their social behavior is not designed to fight a bunch of people. They're designed to corral and protect each other. You, I, I don't think it's gonna happen for you.
2: Mm-mm. No well, way. Well, if you look, for all the Brosners listening, if you wanna to listen to BTG's bullshit, you know, vote for him. Uh, right. If you like Forrest and you think he's made a good team, vote for him. Obviously, mine's great. And Ratep is just
1: fucking preposterous.
0: No, He's I had me a tri- You know, Ritep's here. He's a part of it. That's, yeah, that's important me, to him. He, he had up. me
1: a tree beaver. Yeah, a tree beaver up. I was sold. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know,
0: we're not big on participation trophies in this podcast, but Peter gets one every week. It's ridiculous. I mean, I've clearly
3: won this battle royale. you comes to play. You, you're, you're out of your fucking mind. These are possibly Python. my best picks that's ever. That's the
2: worst pick you've ever made. If, you've drafted herpes as one of your okay. animals several times. times.
3: And, Reticulated and I won Python. that battle royale, thank you. <laughs> Um, what, the herpes eagle? Is that what he drafted? No, herpes.
0: No. He, he thinks it's an animal. He's a bit confused about many things. Yeah, just the like he's he confused Virus.
3: about snake snake drafts. These, these assholes like to pick and fucking prod <laughs> at technicalities constantly in Battle Royale. It's <laughs> ridiculous.
2: <laughs> I'd
1: never heard of Battle Royale until today, but now it's all I live for. It's yeah. fun.
2: And by <laughs> the way, Bradley, works. you did a great job. Uh, I, I will call to our many brosners to, hey, if you'd like us to have Bradley back on, tell us, because I'll beg him to do it if he has time. And if you think he should just fuck off, then tell us that too. That's right. I don't see why why we can't do both. (laughs) Either way, if you hate him
3: or you love him, go see Penguin Bloom. It is available. Will be available in every country.
2: Amazing story. Truly touching. It sounds
3: like an amazing movie, and you are an amazing fucking guy,
2: and you have some great stories, and I've really enjoyed this. And by the way, we haven't even talked about your time as an astronaut in Russia, which is, I'm not lying about... That's real, so we have to
0: have you back on, mate. We have to. There's no choice.
1: I'll give you you the short version, vomiting in helmets. (laughs) Of course. We want the long
0: version,
2: so we'll try and we'll we'll beg him to come back on. I can promise you that. Well,
1: can I just say it's an absolute joy to be part of this. I'm so glad you called DeLuca. It's been far too long. We used to catch up for a breakfast every now and then and the pandemic unfortunately has driven yeah. the tyranny of distance between friends and colleagues and mm. so i i came on this just to catch up with you and hang some shit it was a joy to finally finally meet you forrest I, as i said we've crossed paths in so many bizarre places right. yeah. uh you know some of the people you work with are some of the people that i work with right. and i know that when i have reached out for help and said hey i'm in the middle of God knows where, I need to know where did you go for this or that. And your guys have always been generous, and I appreciate that. Oh, likewise, Peter. Peter, I'll probably forget you, but it's been great. <laughs> 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 likewise, and, and no, seriously, gentlemen, this is a really fun podcast. Thanks for your support of uh, of the movie. Of course, uh, I man. mean, that was incidental. I'm just glad to be there. If you ever want to talk shit about Wild Wonders, uh, give me a call.
0: Beautiful, for sure. We Thank do. you, everybody. And
2: everybody. by the way, real quick before we go, this guy Bradley Trevor Grieve is like. Colleges have him come and like lecture biology students. We're the only podcast in the world that has him come on and get shit face drunk with us. Uh, because it's make up animal fights, yeah. Yeah, yeah, There we (laughs) go. Go ahead, be sure. Be sure
3: if you're listening via audio to go check out the YouTube so you can see BTG's beautiful face. Uh, you don't want to look at anybody else on this podcast. Wild times, the wild times podcast.com. Backslash info for all the links to listen everywhere. BTG, love you. Hate you other two idiots. Hey, real quick,
2: uh, for all the people listening on iTunes, come uh, check out the YouTube for the daily videos. This week we will announce the winners of the electric sunglasses and uh, the wild time shirt. So those will only be announced on the daily videos on the YouTube, so come check that out. Uh, And... uh, Get your fucking two hundred dollars sunglasses that uh, for a sponsor hooked us up with. Nice. Well. Yeah. Yes. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.